Blog Talk Radio. Your spirit sends my heart. 
Heavenly Father, we praise your name. We thank you, Father, for this opportunity again. <clears throat> In relatively good health. Um, and we thank you for everything. We just thank you for choosing us for the days that we're in right now. We may not understand why, but we do know, and we praise your name, that we were chosen because it has to be something pretty important, um, which, of course, at this point, you know, most of us are, 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 you know, how could we possibly know? We assume certain things, and we praise your name for those, and we know that the journey, I mean, Father, we could probably as, uh, accurately assume or estimate that if you had not given us the time that you have given us and maybe more time that we maybe don't even realize that we need to get ourselves where we need to be so that we're in lockstep harmony with your will for us, that the outcome of all this effort, this running of the race, would be, well, kind of less than disappointing in the sense that many of us, if not all of us, are striving to not just run the race, but to ultimately win the race as part of your bride, Lord Jesus. We're hopeful. We're very, very hopeful. We are a little stunned, I think, that the time is taking as long as it is. I think we're all a little bit uh, troubled, you know, that we're exposed to the amount of darkness that we are. But I guess it's necessary to wake some people up and even even with the the magnitude uh, of the darkness, the magnitude of the abominations and the pervasiveness of the abominations, so many people are still not awakening. So many people are holding on to the whole Seven Mountains Mandate idea that everything's just going to turn around and the Bible isn't going to happen the way that the Bible says things are going to happen, that the Olivet Discourse needs to be just kind of pushed back to another time. Father, we pray for every one of our fellow brothers and sisters. We ask you, Father, in the name of Jesus, please, please have mercy upon them. Please have mercy upon those who have been tricked to climb up the seven mountains. Please have mercy upon those who have been tricked by the fake heaven that Lucifer has established and set up. Please, Father God, have mercy upon those who are part of uh, a group, many, a very large group who have been essentially pillow prophets now, well-known pillow prophets now for 20, 30 years. And Father, we just praise you and we just ask you, please have mercy upon each of them. Thank you for using them in whatever capacity that you are, especially if it's blessing somebody that needs to be blessed, somebody that needs to hear good news, maybe maybe even if, if it's just but for a time and doesn't tell the whole story. Father, we just pray that you will forgive each... I, I Father, for one... I cannot speak for anybody else, but I can tell you, Father, for one, as I grow older, as life becomes more difficult, I empathize more and more with those who struggle with the idea of or cannot face it or are horrified by the possibility that things could continue to get darker and darker and darker and darker while we are still here on the earth, because facing that the older that you get, the more broken your body is, the harder it is for you to walk, whatever it is that you're dealing with, makes the, um, what's the word, 
makes the idea, I don't know, I'll just say it just makes the idea of having to go through such hard times so much more difficult to to accept in our hearts. Um, you know, when we're, when we're young and, and athletic and run, able to run and jog and just do all kinds of things, um, you know, the the idea of going out into the street or losing our homes or CBDCs or digital IDs or any of this weirdness that they're, uh, that's associated with the satanic black walls that are closing in on us at an incredible rates of speed while they're playing satanic sleight of hand, but all, Father God, at the same time, we recognize that you're allowing it. You are definitely allowing it, which to us, for those of us who believe in the order of events that you spoke about, Jesus, in the Olivet Discourse, for those of us who believe that that order of events is significant, that it reads like a newspaper because we are in the midst of that newspaper, albeit it's a slow read, but nevertheless, the things are happening, they're unfolding, uh, and it it appears to be... um, heading towards some type of a crescendo so that there's a break point. And I hypothesize, as you know, Father, that, it, that as many, many more do, as, as many, many, many more, as it, it, there's an ever-increasing list of exceedingly well-known people, worldwide well-known, that have overtly and, and uh, publicly said that they honestly believe that something bad is going to happen to Donald Trump, and that is what was prophesied uh, to us years and years ago. And it is the only thing that makes sense uh, as far as um, the next major event in Babylon the Great, this country, uh, being the civil war that Dimitri Dudeman saw, that uh, bits and pieces of in the vision from David Wilkerson were seen, uh, the correlation of uh, Papacata Petal, the correlation of the collapse of the Mexican dollar. The, so many things are intertwined, Father. We know that we're on, you know, that we, we see the seals unraveling together. We do. We really do. Who would have imagined that? It, you know, I, I, I know that I earnestly believed with all of my heart that, it, that the first seal had to happen first. Second seal had to happen second. Third seal happened, happened third. And in that order, I never imagined, and it never imagined that you could break all of the seals and the scrolls could roll out in parallel. And that's what we're seeing happening. The pale horse, uh, World War III, um, everything that's in the Olivet Discourse. I mean, if you overlay the Olivet Discourse over the top of the Revelation chapter 6, oh my gosh. And then if you take the Day of the Lord Scriptures from Isaiah 13 and Joel 2, oh my gosh, you can just inject them right into the the uh, the Day of the Lord between, oh, it's just amazing. And Father, we just thank you because we would be unaware of these things if, uh, if you hadn't delayed as long as that you have and given us extra mercy and grace to be able to increase And again, we don't know to what degree. We have no idea. And we don't know how far we need to go. We don't know what what your goal is for any one of us. But we praise you. We thank you for your mercy. We know that your mercy endures forever. We know, Father God, that you're not just looking at us individually. If one of us has to suffer, incredibly so. Or if a large group of us have to suffer, suffer in a manner that is absolutely agonizing. 
It's really ultimately trivial in the grand scheme of millions of other believers, maybe hundreds of millions of other believers that would have wakened, maybe wakened up in time to have avoided being cast into the Great Tribulation, which includes certainly the United States of Babylon, the great evangelical church system. And then when we embrace the fact that there's over 33,000 different denominations out there across the world, and things are very different in Namibia, or Niger, or uh, Mauritius, or France, or um, Australia, or the Solomon Islands, or Thailand, Father, we just praise you and for thanking. We just glorify in your name and praise you, Father God, for helping us to be able to see all the things that are happening. Like I said, albeit they appear to be the slowest molasses sometimes, but yes, when we look backward, we see how quickly things have tra- indeed transpired. I don't understand why our minds are wired uh, to to see things moving rapidly when we look backward and see things moving incredibly slow when we l- look forward. I will never understand that concept, but it is clearly the perception that you have given us, and we praise you for it. We don't understand it. But we praise you for it. There's a lot that we don't understand. Frequently, Father, we have to go through trials and tribulations and very, very, very agonizing and difficult times in our lives where we just simply cannot understand it until maybe five, six, seven, ten years later sometimes. Ten years later or even longer. And we look back and we're like, oh, and sudden, suddenly, finally, we understand, at least to some degree, why it was necessary for us to go through those things. And Father, I praise you for the extra time that you have given me to be able to lay at the foot of the cross some behaviors that I struggle with and continue to struggle with. And you've gotten my recent list, recently. <laughs> And I praise you, Father, because I know that you're going to answer each and every one of them. I I see how you have worked, even in the midst of the hurricane and the various dynamics that unfolded alongside of the hurricane or in the midst of it. Uh, And for the lessons, the takeaways, the takeaway lessons that needed to be learned as part of the whole portfolio of events. And I praise you for that, Father. And I praise you for, I thank you. I need extra strength. I need extra motivation. I need to believe and believe and to just walk the walk and just make it happen. And I just pray, Father, in the name of Jesus, for anyone out there that is struggling, that they, you know, or with any kind of a behavior or a habit, it's a bad habit, and they know it. Maybe they're hurting the temple body uh, willfully. Uh, maybe they have an addiction that they're having a very difficult time getting over. Some people just can't, um, and I understand this. I've, I've been there, done that. But when you showed me the things that you showed me, but you showed it to me, and I can give it out in the, in the form of a testimony, but that testimony will never be this, have the same impact on another individual as having that event happen to them directly, that's the most impactful, that's the most motivating. And I praise you for the motivation that you have given me over the last couple of days. I thank you for opening the door, Father. I praise you for uh, the good report that I'm going to get from the surgeon on September 11th of all days. (laughs) Praise you, Jesus. Uh, I'm looking forward to getting things back to where they need to be, 100%, not just 60% in limping. 
but really 100 percent, maybe even 130 uh, percent. And I'm just looking forward to it, and I'm believing with all of my heart. And, I'm, and Father, I pray in the name of Jesus for a tenfold anointing. A tenfold anointing of Holy Spirit harmony, infilling of the presence of you, Lord Jesus, and the Spirit of the living God, supernatural and divine protection over their jobs, supernatural and divine protection over their loved ones, salvation for those who will not receive Jesus now, but we know that they will when we pray. Father, I pray this anointing, I pray this blessing upon every single person who has so much as even mentioned me by name in prayer. And I also, Father, lift up in the name of Jesus, and I pray that everyone else is. Every single listener of this program since uh, July of 2011, past, present, and future, and we pray in the name of Jesus that the message that they hear is just the one that they needed to hear to be motivated appropriately Father, we pray for a supernatural impartation through the presence of the Holy Spirit that is accurate and not intermingled with uh, fleshy thoughts or churchianity thoughts, and that they will be able to listen if they do listen, and they, and, and they will be able to hear while they're listening and understand what we're talking about and not just discount it and move on. But, Father, we know that many will. We know that your scripture says that many will, especially in, in the parables, Matthew 22, so many places, Lord, and we, we, we recognize it. Uh, but we're still going to do everything that we can to try to touch other people's lives. And just maybe little by little, as I've seen happen to so many, people will begin to awaken and maybe move a 100 milligrams at a time uh, to larger and larger red pills until they understand, at least to some degree, the order of magnitude of the darkness that we're dealing with right now. Father, take away the fear, we pray, in the name of Jesus, from so many people. Lord, there's so many people that are just horribly afraid. They're, they're afraid of having to endure the things that are coming. They're, they're praying in heart-wrenching, gushing tears more than anything for Donald Trump to come back and save the United States so that they can live the rest of their life in peace, saying the Pledge of Allegiance, while the rest of the world crumbles. Father, we understand that that's not the way that you would have your people think. We understand that we are citizens of heaven, Philippians 3.20. Our citizenship is in heaven. We understand that we're supposed to keep our mind stayed on things above and not on the things of this world, Colossians 3, verse 2. Father, we understand that we are not to be friends with the earth because we are then at enmity with you. In the book of James, I don't have the chapter and verse. Father, we just praise you for helping us to not only know these things, well, no, or, um, I'm sorry, believe these things, but to know them, for them to become a part of who we are. And for, the, and for us to be able to, to take, even though it hurts when we hurt, and when we're depressed, it, it hurts. When we feel sorry for ourselves, and I know we're not supposed to, but sometimes it's unavoidable. We go through things that are extremely difficult. Many of us are emotional sponges, and it and it and it and it, it's it's an aggregate. It, it continue it builds and builds and builds and builds and builds. And Father, we pray that you will teach us supernaturally, please, in the name of Jesus. Teach us to to learn because it's a learning process. It's so easy for so many who do not have the burden of working a day job and all the stresses that come along with it and the sleepless nights that's associated with that and some of the other troubles that come with uh, managing homes and having families that have to manage homes and then you throw a hurricane in the middle of it and you get yourself one big old tossed salad of ugly. 
Father, we just pray for every one of those people that are juggling children, juggling jobs, juggling stress, juggling all the other things that they have to juggle in the midst of a time when we would all really rather be dwelling in the secret place of the Most High. Father, I praise you for um, letting me pray to you on my knees this morning, um, albeit with my, uh, I don't know what you call it, that special pillow that I have, a memory foam pillow. Um, but I didn't feel any pain, which is really awesome and cool. So I just praise you for that. And I just ask you, Father, to continue the healing process in me because I want to fervently continue to pray for every one of us and all of the lost people across the world, which includes so many of your people, Father God. As it says in your scripture, I forget which one it is. I know a lot of people do know it uh, off the top of their head, but I, I just don't remember. I can look it up. But Father, the one which says, you know, uh, uh, many of your people are lost due to lack of wisdom, or is it knowledge? I forget. But anyway, Father, I'm sorry for so many of the believers out there that misuse that verse to justify their their uh, lack of understanding of the intent of your word. So many of them. But Father, that's okay. We just ask you to please forgive all of us. Forgive us all because we are such wretches. It's just repugnant to many of us to listen to Christians who have this notion in their head that they've arrived, that they've got no room for improvement, that, you know, they, I know we're supposed to shine the light and we, we understand the concept of shining light. And I'll, I will tell you, Father, I, I, you know I shine the light. You know I shine the light. Um, and I think every one of us has our periods of time with your help and anointings that we all sh- shine your light, Lord Jesus. We all have times when maybe our salt doesn't taste as salty, but when we are restored through your personal touch and anointing, Father, it changes everything, and the salt suddenly is brand new mineral salts, and it's just fabulous, and we are able to touch other people's lives, and our prayers become extra powerful, and we pray, Father God, for more of that in our lives. We pray, Father God, for you to just, you know, dull our senses a little bit to the things that are happening around us, the threats that are being thrown at us endlessly, and our concerns about what might happen to us, what might happen to our dwelling places, where we might end up, and under what circumstances we may end up there. Just help us, Father, in the name of Jesus. I know that your scripture admonishes us and, in fact, instructs us directly that we are not to worry about tomorrow for the problems of today are enough, and they certainly are. We just ask you, Father, to have a gentle touch upon each of us and to, to, uh, to hear our prayers, to understand our hopes while we endure the dark days that we are in the midst of, recognizing that these days are actually, as, as dark as they are, are actually some of the most blessed days for each of us to be able to grow in our walk, our sanctification, and and identify those behaviors, those feelings, those times when we just feel absolutely beside ourselves, you know, disconnected and miserable. Other things that we have maybe in our lives, so many untold number of behaviors that I'm not going to mention live, 
that many of us have or many of us harbor. Many of us harbor ill feelings about other people, and we can't let it go, which is a form of unforgiveness. And Father, we know that your scripture is very clear, that if we don't forgive, you will not forgive us. That's not a good thing. So we praise you, Father, and we thank you again for the days that we have, this electronic ecclesia, this technology that continues to work even after the hurricane, even after the... This, thank you, Father, for the very small losses of power and the air conditioning staying on. Uh, and uh, Oh, Father, there's just so much. There's just so much. We see all the things around us happening. It's getting close. But we can't quantify what that means. Help us, Father, to be strong, determined, to have self-control, to have self-control, to learn to break free of the bad habits, the bad behaviors, the bad thoughts, the bad places, the places that we probably shouldn't go back. If we have uh, a particular behavior that we need to, to kill and get rid of, with your help, Teach us, Father God, to stay away from those places. If we have a favorite chair, teach us, Father God, to avoid that favorite chair. If we have some place that we go, something that is familiar to us that might interlock our minds back to that behavior that we're trying to avoid, teach us, Father, to have new things that we can do, new hobbies that we can undertake, new goals that we can set for ourselves. New, just help us, Lord. Impart upon us through your mercy. Lord Jesus, please. And we know that you're going to fix them. We know that you're going to help us. We know it already. It's already done. Because your word, is you're not a man that you would lie. As you know, I have a whole stack of laminated scriptures in my pocket right here that say that very thing. whole stack right here of your promises. And I know you're not going to let us down. Father, we pray that you will find each and every one of us worthy to escape all these things that are about to come upon the earth and stand before you, Lord Jesus, the Son of Man, at the wedding supper of the Lamb. In Jesus' name we pray and thank you. Thank you, Father. Amen. Praise you, Jesus. Tonight is Friday, the September the 1st. It's Labor Day weekend here in the United States of Babylon the Great, which means those of us who have a proclivity to less than perfect holy behaviors, um, you know, whatever those may be, might have an extra challenge because of the extra day of boredom that we have to deal with. But that just comes along with different phases of our lives, and we just praise you for helping those of us who do have uh, options to take advantage of those options and get out. You know, get get away from our normal negative, you know, our normal routine that can frequently lead to negative thoughts, feelings, and such like that, Father. We pray for a renewed sense of opportunity to be poured out into our spirit, our soul, our mind, and that we will be super motivated tomorrow, the next day, and the next day, just with an abundant, with an overflowing abundance of, of ideas and love and energy, motivation, and self-control for the fruits of the Spirit, 
Galatians 5.22 are love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, kindness, faithfulness, goodness, and self-control, the hardest one of all. Father, we thank you for this day. We praise you for this prayer vigil. It is now 7.27 p.m. on the east coast of the United States of Babylon the Great. Amen. And tonight, oh, hallelujah. The time is the 15th of Elul, 5783 on the Jewish calendar, hallelujah, or the Hebrew calendar. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. And tonight together we light the Sabbath candles, if you prefer the Shabbat candles. But you don't have to have the Sabbath, or you don't have to celebrate the Sabbath at all. Oh, my, I can see people flip, doing backflips right now, but it's all in Romans 14. And we just praise you for helping us understand that we're not being held under the law for, as your scripture says, love, essentially love, takes away the need for the law, love in Christ. Because our behaviors are saturated with the love of Jesus. Our behaviors are saturated with an adoration and total obsession to be in harmony with you, Father. That is where we get that peace. For you will keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed upon you, because he trusts you. Isaiah 26.3 We praise your name. The Hebrew Kadesh. Baruch atah Adonai Eloheinu melech haolam Borei Baruch atah Adonai Eloheinu melech haolam Asher kitshanu b'mitzvotav v'ratzavanu V'shabat kodsho v'yavahu v'ratzon Inchilanu zikaron lemase vereshit Ki hu yom techila lemikra ekodesh Zechel etziat mitzrayim Kivanu vacharta, veotanu kidashta, mikol hamim. Veshabat kodshecha, beava uvratzon, inchaltanu. Baruch atah Adonai Mekadesh HaShabbat. Holy Lord Jesus, please cleanse and totally purify our heart, our mind, our spirit, our soul, and our flesh. 
our record-keeping books in heaven, and our robe and gown in heaven, with your precious blood, Lord Jesus, and your holy fire, Father God. Zechariah 2, 5, holy fire. Thank you, Jesus, the fire that is breathed out of the mouths of the two witnesses for three and a half years. Praise you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. Thank you, Father God, for revealing to us that the holy fire is a weapon that has been given to us to use against the forces of darkness, and indeed, bar none the most powerful, highly effective. Father, we praise you for the answers to our prayers. We know that the answers to our prayers will be made manifest. Maybe not even before we leave, but we know they will. Or we will receive something much more awesome at a later time. Thank you for being an eternal Father, God, an eternal Father, so that we're able to look at the Scriptures through eternal eyes and understand that everything is not finite and crunched down into a tiny little Coca-Cola can. Thank you for expanding our hearts and our minds to understand that the kingdom of God is all of creation, all of the universes, all of the dimensions, all of the trillions of life forms across them, possibly even multiple timelines. Very difficult for many people to understand realms and, and various uh, dimensions. People ha- really struggle to understand those concepts. I praise you, Father God, for the training, the advanced uh, electronics and electrical engineering training that you have given me uh, in the Navy to be able to understand very ham radio and super advanced concepts and to be able to weave them together into a tapestry that makes you so awesome that we, I I mean, I'm just, I love you, Father. You're so amazing. When I look at all of these things, can you imagine? Wow. Father, I just pray in the name of Jesus that we're able somehow to be able to reach more and more of the scientifically minded people that are out there because they're really just a tiny whisker away from making it. They, many of them, as you know, Father, already recognize that you have to exist. And how demon-possessed does an entity have to be, even if it looks human, as a tear? Is it perfectly possessed, or is it just a filthy, lying demon? Probably both. Thank you, Father, for awakening our hearts and our minds to the presence of these things. Thank you for revealing to us why Jesus said over and over again, serpents and scorpions, I give you power to trample on serpents and scorpions, you vipers. Thank you for helping us to understand that that was literal. That Jesus wasn't just tossing weird words around for no good reason. That he was able to actually see who they re- what, sorry, what they really were. And now we understand what it was all about. Fallen, seraphim, dragon creatures. It's just amazing how literal the Bible actually is. And how very, very important every word is. 
We praise you, Father, for keeping us from falling into the weeds like so many do. They're in pursuit of some hidden truth, some supernatural secret in the Bible that they spend all their time digging through the Greek and the Hebrew and never really coming to an understanding of the Bible at all. We praise you for lifting our hearts, minds, as we study the scripture, as we read it, and helping us to be able to see the harmony that lies in those words. From the very beginning to the very end, all 31,102 verses in the Texas Receptus versions of the Bible, and how they just weave together perfectly, but not unless you see them eternally, not unless you see them eternally and through the eyes. Through your eyes, through our King's eyes. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for loving me enough to put up with all of my antics. Thank you, Lord, for loving all of us enough for putting up with all of our antics. Some of us are better at hiding how we really feel. <laughs> and than others, but, you know, Father, we just pray that you will continue to anoint us, pour out your grace upon us, strengthen us, that we would be strong and of good courage and not be afraid nor be dismayed, for the Lord thy God is with me. Our Father is with us wherever we go. Let us have the strength of Joshua in the days ahead. In the days ahead, we praise your holy name and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. There we go. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, 
Okay, before we dive right in, um, if I don't get this out, <laughs> I'll pay dearly for it. Um, and and it's okay, you know, I understand. But um, please, for those of you, and I'm going to make the same announcement on um, uh, the Sunday night program. Um, but I'm going to, you know, I'm going to repeat it. I think a lot of times because I'm going to try to fix the challenges, some of the challenges that I have that are. Um, they should not be challenges. Let's just, let's just leave it at that. All right, praise God. So um, one of the challenges that happens for me is that if I ever have something happen, you know, like I don't, I don't know, I've, I've heard things, you know, people, I've heard so many different things. I mean, probably thousands of different characterizations of me, everything from he's a raving lunatic, he's a false prophet, the entire website set up to denigrate me, um, crying, boohooing old ladies claiming they're Christians and the Lord told them that I'm some kind of a, you know, like, <laughs> I ranked right under David Wilkerson as one of the uh, worst false prophets in the world, according to this one boohooing, white-haired, uh, supposed Christian on YouTube. But anyway, um, you know, and, and just because they look a certain way, you know, young, pretty, or little old lady-ish, or and crying and saying they love Jesus, you know, let me tell you something, folks, that don't mean nothing. The devil is a master of disguise, and he can, a familiar spirit can look whatever, and don't even, you think, look at Biden, he's, he's while he's, uh, astonishingly dysfunctional, um, the reality is that he is a reptilian, uh, and he's got a rubber mask on. We have no idea what's underneath it. I don't want to know what's underneath it. I could care less what's underneath it. I know what these entities are. I want nothing to do with these entities, and I cannot wait until God's vengeance falls upon them. I want to, be, I want to have front row seats at the lake of fire when they're getting pitched in. 
I want to watch each every one of them just go right in there. Klaus Schwab maybe first, you know, but not 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 followed too far. Fauci, Schwab, <laughs> Gates, the whole group. Um, Oprah, the whole deal. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. They will not, um, for me, uh, you know, I know what these entities are. I know why they become the entities that they become. And I am, uh, you know, we have billions of people on this world that need prayer, billions of lost people, billions of, uh, I mean, an untold number of friends, believers that need prayer, especially now, because I, I, I don't know about you, but I personally believe that we are in Daniel 725. Now, granted, we're also in the Olivet Discourse. We're also in Revelation chapter 6, because an untold number, an untold uh, portfolio of sections of the Bible actually overlay one another. I know this is an, a not easy, you know, because there are, I'm not going to name names, but folks, there are people who are multiple authors of books. They travel around on prophecy circuits and stuff, and they do long lectures and talk all day long about what they, you know, are sure is the case. A lot of them will say that the Psalm 83 war is a different war than, than, than you know, Damascus being turned into a ruinous heap, which is a different war than Gog and Magog. They have no idea that um, uh, Ezekiel 38, the city without walls, is the United States. <laughs> It's just amazing. And then they go on and they tell everybody what they think. And then, you know, of course, it injects mass confusion and mass hysteria uh, into uh, the body of Christ. And everybody disagrees and throws tomatoes at each other. And then someone breaks off and creates a new denomination. Then we have 33,001 different denominations, which is exactly the opposite of what our Father and our Lord Jesus told us to do. He told us to love one another, to stay united, and not to bicker about all these little things. And what do we do? The exact opposite. We form all kinds of heretical groups like Hebrews Roots and all this other icky nonsense and Seven Mountain stuff. And you know what? It just creates – you know what? It, the, but the the beauty of it is we we pray, we hand it over to the Lord, we call down the power. Again, Isaiah forty three twenty five is very clear when our Father said, "I even I am He that blots out your transgressions for my own sake." Now, why would our Father have to blot out our transgressions for His sake? Well, for one thing, it's, and, and, and again, for, you know, that blots out your, trans, you know, your transgressions for my own sake, and I will not remember your sins. Keep me in remembrance and let us contend together. Okay, let us work together. Okay, why? So obviously when our Heavenly Father created all the rules of the universe, says, I'm sorry, I should have made that plural initially. Okay, that's the reason why the evil ones on this earth, okay, these entities that actually believe that they control the universe because they believe that Lucifer is God. They really believe it, truly. And, um, and they think that uh, our Heavenly Father, Adonai, is a pest, um, and anyway, so there's all kinds of philosophies out there. I'm not going to get into all of them because you know what? To me, it's just a big fat waste of time. Um, but it's it. Uh, I'm just trying trying to think of what was my <laughs> what my point was. 
Oh, no, praise God, I got the ramblings. See, I used to take notes while I was talking, and uh, and that way I wouldn't, I would write an anchor note. And then when I would veer off the path and swirl around, um, I would bring myself back to the anchor. But I'm not taking notes right now, which, of course, gives me, um, it opens up a, a wide array of opportunities for me to go down a rabbit hole of thought. Anyway, praise God. So, um I'm just going to jump back over to my initial intent, uh, which was to try my best. I'm going to keep this short. Now, as best as I can, I'm really, Father, please help me keep this short. It's very hard to take long, detailed, I, you know, your boss at work always wants you to give them a short answer. And then what I do is I tell them, I say, well, if you want me to give you a short answer, you got to stop asking technicolor questions. I had one boss say, listen, you know, I, I, you know, I'm kind of taking you under my wing. I'm going to teach you some tricks. He goes, you got to understand you got to, when, when you're dealing with management, you got to run into the pumpkin patch. You got to grab your pumpkin and get out. And you know what I said to him? I said, what happens when you run into the pumpkin patch and the pumpkin that you grabbed is all smashed? And he busted it out laughing because he knew I was right. Praise God. But anyway, all right. So, um, I'm going to beseech people to please send me emails, if an email. I, it doesn't matter if you've never talked to me before. I know there are people out there that have some sort of aversion to sending emails to people who talk on podcasts and stuff. Hey, uh, when I met Zen Garcia the first time on the telephone when I worked at Gradal Maris deal here in Tampa, um, I, I, I was starstruck. <laughs> Zen Garcia, right? And now I've hung out with him and had dinner and hadn't seen his white kitties and all that. And, you know, it, you know, then all of a sudden you're like, oh, he's just a guy, albeit with, you know, talented and smart. But, you know, I mean, it, it when when you when you meet the person in you know, you can get a little bit starstruck because, oh, wow, they're a TV personality or, oh, wow, they're a radio show personality or whatever. You know, and then like that young lady that wanted to go with uh, Reverend Tracy Shellman. Oh, can I come and meet Johnny Baptist? I I just love his show. You know, that kind of, you know, and, and, you know, starstruck, really, because the the perception is incorrect. It's just incorrect. It's, it's absolutely inaccurate. There are people out there, for whatever reason, and I don't understand. I, I guess I do understand it if I reflect back to the days that I, when I never did a podcast, never showed up on anybody else. I've been on True News with, uh, with uh, what's his name? This <laughs> is Rick Wiles. Whatever. Um, uh, you know, Daniel Ott's, uh, you know, Edge AM radio show multiple times. Um, I've been on some MUFON specials in different places talking about stuff, of course, having to do with uh, aliens in the Bible and all that kind of thing. Um, but when I first started to do it, I was nervous as a three-legged cat in a room full of rocking chairs. I remember one program when I was very, very brand new, and I i don't think I ever was on another show before. And I spent four, like probably three hours on a big, you want to, you know those big legal tablets that you can get? And I was just taking note after note after note, and I broke it into to, to like sections, okay. This is on this is on this topic. Note, 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 note. And this is the next topic. Note, 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 note. Because I had to have, I, I just was so scared. I was, I was like, you know, I'm going to dork this up. I'm going to look like, you know, look ridiculous. And my 
you know, why bother to do it at all? And then, you know, after a while, you just, you're just kind of like, you know, it, it, it took me a long time. I used to prepare an awful lot for the shows. I, I, I really did. In the very beginning, I did. And I would get real nervous before the show would start. I'd be like, oh, man. And I, my anxiety would start to bubble up inside of me, and I'd be like, oh, no. And I always had to have, like, a whole bunch of stuff prepared, so, you know, because I needed to know what I was going to talk about. And, <clears throat> you know, just all kinds of stuff like that because you're all nervous, and you don't want to, you know, freeze up. And and now it's like then then eventually after years of doing it, it was a long time. Uh, I you know I don't know how many hundreds of shows, but eventually I got to this point where I was like, wow, I don't need any notes at all. I mean the show notes are different. I do the show notes on purpose because I want to be able to rattle off a whole bunch of the most important headlines and play audio bites that are relevant to those, uh, and also hopefully have them in some sort of I don't know harmonistic. Is that a word? Probably not. Uh, synergistic, that is a word. And, uh, you know, but I want them to flow. And I'd love to be able to have them, you know, at least a little bit align with the scripture so that it tells a story, which is that we're going home soon. Yeah. Guilty as charged. I used the word. I'm asking people to please send your an email to me at jbaptist777 at gmail.com. jbaptist777 at gmail.com. If you would like me to go ahead and manually put you on the radio show email notification list. Again, jbaptist777 at gmail.com. Just send me an email. Say, please put me on the list. Because I can tell you that there's a lot of people that want to be on the list. There are a lot of people that were on the list, and now they don't get their emails, and they don't understand why. They don't understand how spam systems work, and then they just get befuddled. And they're like, I used to get it. I don't know why I don't get it anymore. You know, and they don't, they don't know where to look. They don't know where their trash folder is. They don't know where their spam folder is. They don't understand how to – and I get that. It's complicated. It's complicated. I mean, how many messengers are there out there? Can you imagine what it's like to be me? Praise God. Because everybody out there that wants to talk to me is going to want to talk to me on a different messenger. Some of them want to use Telegram. Some of them want to use Facebook Messenger. Some of them want to use uh, Signal. Some of them want to use, you know, uh, whatever. You know, I personally, for the people that help me the closest with with the program, I use Google Chat. Google Chat, and you can put it on your phone, and and it's it works very well. But I I just like it to be not a part of another community. I don't want to be a part of Facebook Messenger. I mean, I'll, I'll answer Facebook Messenger if people are they just adore and love and want to live in the world of Facebook. Good, fine. You know, share your family pictures and all of your adventures with your friends from around the world. And, you know, that's cool. That's that's your thing. Everybody's got their thing. And that's cool. I think it's a blessing when people have family and people that they can share things and they got a new picture of a puppy or something. And and they're, you know, and uh, their great uncle up in Missoula sees it and he's so excited and he writes a letter. You know, I think it's really wonderful for folks. If you don't mind sharing with the New World Order who wants to eat you, uh, 
what all your family looks like and where they live, but that's okay. Um, uh, let's just hope we all get out of here before any of that weirdness starts happening. But um, for any, for you know, I, I what I have done historically, if someone starts to email me an awful lot, you know, can you like if I get a three-page email, I'm doomed. I just can't read that fast. And to extract all the questions out of the email, three pages. I have to go through it very carefully, read each sentence. I have to figure out, is it rhetorical or is it an actual question? And what is the purpose of the question and how do I answer it the best that I can? What if there are 12 questions embedded in those three pages? I have to find them. I have to analyze them. And then I have to identify them. I have, you know what I'm saying? So, um, so then... I make the terrible mistake of saying, dear brother or dear sister, is there any possible way you could break this encyclopedia up into little bitty bite-sized chunks? <laughs> I don't say it like that. I'm, I'm just joking, I'm trying to make you smile. We live in a day where if we don't smile, we are going to lose it. We're going to shave our heads, put on orange robes, and hand out daisies at the airport, which I've thought about many times. But anyway um, – Send me an email at jbaptist777 at gmail.com that you want to be put on the list, and I will manually put you on there, okay? And if you just say, man, I'm sick of getting these darn emails, right there is an unsubscribe button. It's so easy. There's no, there's no effort whatsoever, and you will have information because what happens is, um, as a matter of fact, I think I have an email where it was a response to somebody earlier today, and I wrote, let me see, hallelujah, um, Yep. Okay. Here we go. Wait a minute. Oh yeah. A lot of threads here. Hold on. Hold on. Okay. Here it is. I just have to really get in close to the computer screen because I have it on. It's a long story. It's, it's a technological issue that I don't want to spend the time to fix because it'll take up a whole Saturday. But anyway, um, so People get befuddled. They think I don't know. I, I don't know. Maybe they believe that the radio show is pre-recorded and they're watching like Dick Van Dyke or something. Okay, I don't know. Maybe that's just what it is, you know. And they go into their little podcast player and they're like, "Wait a minute! There isn't a show for Wednesday. This is not acceptable." I'm going to write NBC right now. What is that phone number? Give me that phone. Eight 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 NBC. Blah blah. You know. No, it's not Dick Van Dyke. I'm just a broken down 61, soon to be 62-year-old man who never believed in a quadrillion years. How, how much is a quadrillion? I know it takes 34 years to count to a billion. How long does it take to count to, to a quadrillion? I don't know the answer. Do you? Oh, anyway. Um, so... I got when, – when, when someone sees that there is an absence of a show, heaven forbid Dick Van Dyke got preempted for the you know, meteor that struck in the Atlantic Ocean. <laughs> I want to watch Dick Van Dyke, Dagnabbit. Okay, and, I'm t and folks, there are people that are like that, and I understand it. I get it. I really, really do. Um, I know that there are people who love to listen to the radio show live. They want to listen to every word, and they want to, they want to hang on it until the very end. I know that there's a lot of people, probably the vast majority of people that listen to the program live, that are asleep 
about 30 minutes into it. I know that. Um, and it's fine. Uh, this isn't about picking on anybody, but it is about trying to share things with people so that first I want you to understand I'm just I, I'm just a guy, just an old, decrepit, broken down BW micro bus, okay, that happens to have a insane, you know, 57 whatever year testimony. I don't know. A lot of supernatural things have happened to me, but but to other people too, you know. So it's it's there's nothing about me that's I don't know. But anyway, I I, I don't want to pigeonhole myself in a, cor- a corner. I simply want to let you know that if you do let me know, if you do send me an email and say put me on the list, I will manually add you to the list because it be there's a lot of people that aren't like they're not techies. They're just not techies, and they're struggling. Hey, my sister's one of them. Actually, my one sister's like really can barely function on a computer at all, okay? And, um, you know, it, it, to her to watch a YouTube video is like asking somebody to calculate the, you know, distance, you know, at faster than light speed to travel from here to Andromeda, you know. And I, I don't know. But you know what I'm saying? It's like some people, it's just so hard. I know my one sister, it took her years before she knew how she, that she could press the buttons to get a text message out. The one thing that got her moving forward, albeit at a La Brea tar pit speed, was photographs. When she started seeing photographs from her kids, of her grandkids, on her phone, everything changed. (laughs) Doesn't mean that she went any faster. It just meant that she was determined to figure some things out. All right. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. So, um, so I had somebody write me and I'm not going to, you know, for the sake of privacy and all that kind of stuff, I'm not going to mention any names. But um, we were just going back and forth and talking about some stuff. This week, I have records were set. Okay, records were definitely set this week. It, it uh, Communications came in from every possible, I believe from the bottom of my heart, that there are messages out there that I have not still yet received that that are just kind of dangling on the messenger somewhere because the problem is i have to, you know, i'm i'm in the i'm in this situation look when somebody loves facebook messenger they're not coming to google chat they're not if they like telegram they're going to do telegram if they like this they're going to do that they're not going to change for me I know that. I've known this a long time, folks. Twelve years, believe you. Believe you me. Now, granted, there are some rare exceptions from people that are relatively technical, um, but I constantly stumble over myself because I go and I look, I probe around, and I'm like, oh, wow, this person asked this question two weeks ago. You know, but I don't, I don't sit there every single morning and check eight different messengers. So, again, if you want if you want to have an idea of what's going on and you don't want to go, oh, my gosh, Dick Van Dyke has been preempted. Where's Dennis the Menace? I can't believe this is happening. No, please let it not be another hockey game. You know, it, it, it's, it's not like that. Bad things happen to people. 
And this show is being I, – I don't know what they'd call it in the TV land, but it's um, – it's being recorded as a podcast at the same time as, as it is live streaming over the Internet. And there are people all over the place, many gazillions that I have no idea even exist, many of them who have listened for over 10 years, and I have no idea they're out there. I see charts and graphs. I see geographic you know, uh, information on a, on a world map that gives me some idea percentage-wise of, you know, how many people from, you know, Zimbabwe are listening or whatever. But the thing is, a lot of places, they, they use Internet cafes, and they can have several hundred people. I've, I've, I've received letters from people, in, particularly in Africa and the Philippines, where they would have two, three hundred people in a room listening to the program. Believe it or not. I, I mean, when I found out about those kinds of things, I, my mouth would drop. I would be like, you've got to be kidding me. So I have no idea. I have no idea. And like I said, I'm just limping around on a recently operated me. I got a daughter who's like, you know, 33 years old or whatnot. She works in insurance. It was a really good choice for her, and she does a great job at it. Um, she lives about an hour north of me. I uh, got an ex-wife that I've mentioned many times in my testimonies that left me um, because she's she came from a Catholic background and she thought she was watching the early Alex Jones, you know, the Obama deception and all that kind of stuff. She was watching those with me and she was able to not. You know, she didn't think I needed to be committed at that point. You know, she she saw some merit in the positions that were being presented on the videos. Um, but And she was okay with watching them, and they were interesting to her, but, you know, to some degree. But then when I started to get into some of the more super ultra-advanced things, like Confessions of a Mother Goddess with David Icke, let me tell you something. That was the last straw. <laughs> but anyway, so um, but anyway, the, a very very short version of the story was is that is that the Lord told me in advance that she was going to leave me. I casted lots, and it came right up and said knife to throat. And I said ro, and sure enough, that day came, and my daughter came in, closed the door of my office, and said, "Dad, you know, Dawn's doing blah blah blah, and this that, and the other thing." Now to this day, we are really good friends. And guess what? Now I've been praying for her to, you know, to to grow closer to the Lord and all this creepy weirdness. So what happened was she likes TikTok. She likes to watch all the little kitties smack each other and all the ducks and animals do funny things and dogs, you know, and all that kind of stuff. If if it's animals, she loves it. Well, guess what happened? Some of this end of the world stuff snuck into her feed, and she got duped because of a curiosity killed the cat kind of thing, and she started to watch that that stuff. And now she's red-pilled. <laughs> she told me the other day, I wish I had never looked at that one video. You know, and the avalanche started, and now she's, I don't know how many milligrams she is, but she's... She's up there. I think she. Uh, I think she believes that that the uh, Ma- like like she ought that there were uh, directed energy weapons used in Maui, and things are very, very, very sick and evil, and that's a good thing for her because without that understanding, she was doomed. So again, send me an email and I'll put you on the list manually. No big deal. 
it might take me a while to get around to it, but um, it's the kind of thing that I'll do like, you know, four o'clock in the morning when I get up and stuff like that. If I can, I I don't know if I can do it from my phone. I I'm probably have to log into my my the laptop that I have tucked under the whatever. Um, okay, so praise God, I wanted to get that out. Now the other thing was um, somebody had asked me. Like I said, I received I have no idea how many, but it was an awful lot. And God bless you all for being worried and you know all that kind of stuff. And you know I get. Some people will send me emails, oh, Johnny, you just don't understand how deeply people love you. You know, you're you're an anchor in our in our week. And when you don't show up, oh, it's just it's killing us. We need to know, you know, and 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 I'm like thinking to myself, dang, if I, can I I mean, what if my what, if, you know, it's it, that puts a lot of weight on your shoulders. So I uh, I explained to this one individual, and I'll tell you right now, I'm just going to share this with you. Quote, if I feel bad, am seriously depressed, sick, not feeling well, hurt, or angry, or utterly exhausted, and I know it will affect my ability to do a proper show, If I feel good enough, I will try to upload a best of radio show. But if I have had an absolutely horrible day and I am so tired that I can barely keep my eyes open, let alone form a proper sentence or operate a computer, I won't do anything. The show will be blank. But I will try to send out an email communication one of the official Tribulation Now emails, which I pay $400 a year okay, to, 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 uh, to have that service. So I welcome you to send me your email, and I'll put it on there. Because that way, um, you'll know. Because yeah, the one thing that I will always try my best to do is send out an email and at least let people know that I didn't die. Okay, I'm not heading to Galveston on my air mattress with my dogs. Um, you know, it, I'll try very, very, very hard always to send out some kind of an email to give people an update. Okay, now, uh, and I did, and I did, but a lot, a lot, a lot of people don't, they're not on the email list. And, and that's okay. And you have to work with the anti-spam engines, and it's it's a pain. It can be a pain. And if you ever want to unsubscribe, there's a gigantic unsubscribe button right at the bottom. No big deal. Doesn't hurt my feelings at all. I totally get it. All right. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. So anyway, um, but I but you know if I'm if if I can, I will put up a, a you know a best stuff show. Um, people, a lot of the people really love the best stuff shows because it takes them back in time. And um, I try to pick out ones that are relevant, not only when they were done, but are relevant, you know, maybe three years from now, you know. Uh, and anyway, so praise God for that. So I just wanted to get that out there. Send me your email. I'll put it on the list. And then you'll have an idea what's going on. Um, you know, I might not tell you every minute little teeny weeny weeny little detail, but um, I'll, I'll give you enough information that you have a, a well-rounded understanding of the kind of things that I was dealing with. 
All right, praise God. And then um, to tie a ribbon on all this, real quick, um, praise Jesus. Thank you, Father. Um, So those of us who live in Tampa, you know, you may not know where Tampa is. A lot of people don't know geography at all. They Some people can't even point to Florida on a map. I get it. I understand that. Okay, now you have to under, also understand that I'm the, I'm the actual, I, I'm the opposite of that. I knew where the country Andorra was located when I was like, you know, in my 20s. Um, you know, because I've been doing amateur radio uh, like all my life. So to me, having a world map and knowing all the different countries and where they're located and everything is like, you know, that's mandatory. Mandatory. Now, I don't know every single country. There's still a few out there that I, you know, I get surprised by and somebody will say, I'm from the country of yuckety, yuckety, yuck. And I'm like, "Um, dang, I never heard of that one before. There's a few in Africa that I get surprised by once in a while. But anyway, and then, of course, African countries, sometimes they have like three different names. The French name, the uh, English name, and on and on and on it goes. I mean, Kiev is Kiev. I'm sorry, I'm 61 years old, and Kiev is Kiev. If these folks out there want to say Kiev, let them do it. Whatever. But it's Kiev. Okay? I'm from an English-speaking country, and it's Kiev. All right. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. So, um, so uh, in, 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 in a nutshell, when – and you may relate to this and you may not. If you live in a remote part, you know, in the center part of the United States and you are not in a place that has emergency weather occur, uh, you might say, well, I'm in Tornado Alley. That's fine. But there are parts of Tornado Alley that haven't seen a tornado in 30 years, okay, or at least not one that was worth mentioning. So the point is, what I'm trying to say is there are parts of the United States that you can live in, and in other countries as well, especially. There are a lot of, you know, like the European Union, they have, they, they've only started getting tornadoes recently. That They are tornado-free as a general rule. The United States is the king of tornado, tornado land. Anyway, so if you're in a place that's prone to intermittent weather-related emergencies or whatever, or wildfires or whatever, or do weapon attacks, <laughs> take your pick, praise God, then you might relate to this concept. But I, you know, and I will... It, it, I, I, I get a chuckle sometimes because I'll have people tell me, well, I live in a such and such a place and and that such and such a place. We get we get, you know, hurricanes here, too, you know, and I know where they live or I have a reasonable understanding of where they live. And I'm like thinking, you got no idea, <laughs> because when you're, you know, 50 miles inland, 20 miles inland, 10 miles inland, it ain't the same. I mean, don't get me wrong. It sucks blue. It's absolutely horrible to go through it. It doesn't matter where you are. But when you have a land buffer, believe me, it ain't the same. You're going to think in your head that it's the same. It's not the same. 
Not even close. It's bad. I'm not suggesting that it's not bad, but if you think of badness on a scale of 1 to 10, you know what I mean? If you're close to the water, and what do I mean by close? Okay, well, that merits a little bit of, you know, I don't know, description or whatever or whatever. Um, And um, what I mean by close is if you're within five miles of the coast – of any major body of water, when one of these monsters, these apocalyptic canes, ever since Hurricane Irma, I know for those of you who have been around for a while may remember that Jose and I did a Hurricane Irma special. i got to go back and find that radio show and listen to it again because I remember freaking out because my entire house shook. But I had the headphones on and I was talking to Jose, and uh, of course, of course, the winds were bashing the house and everything else under the sun. But when the whole house shook like a like an earthquake, I remember commenting about it live on the air. It wasn't until about ten, maybe a week later, when I heard this really loud um, wood chipper and crane equipment, cherry pickers, and a team of men on the side of my house. And I was like, what's that? Because it took days to clean up the debris. I had to hire, you know, people, friends that are down and out that will, you know, help you. Um, And uh, it's unbelievable the amount of debris. When I, I have a very small piece of property. And when I, um, once all that debris was raked up and carried and piled along the street outside of my house, how do I describe it? Probably 30 feet in length, five and a half, five feet for sure tall, and about maybe five no, eight feet wide. So eight feet wide, 30 feet long, um, about five feet high. That was the debris. That's how big the pile was, just from my house. Took three days to gather it. And boy, was I tired. No power for three and a half days, as I recall. I think that's right. It was horrible. I was determined to sleep on my bed. Well, I think my my house is built on a super volcano cauldron or something because <laughs> it's so hot in this house. It's unbelievable. But anyway, um, the temperatures were upward, uh, upstairs where my bed is were upwards of about 115 literal Fahrenheit degrees. You can't breathe. You're definitely not going to sleep. So I realized it was lost cause, and it doesn't matter. You can blow fans when it's that hot. It doesn't matter. You can put you can put gigantic fans on yourself, and it won't. It doesn't mean a thing. So I uh, had to come up. I I couldn't. I can't survive having it's. You can't function. You can't speak. Can't close a sentence. You stutter. Because you're so agonizingly exhausted. And I mean agony. They use um, uh, 
keeping you awake. I don't know what the sorry brain damage, but they use um, insomnia, keep you know banging pots and pans and keeping you awake and not letting you sleep. It is a form of torture that they use down in Guantanamo Bay and whatever wherever. But anyway, um, uh, and it, it's true. It's a horrible, horrible, horrible thing to go through. Um, I, but anyway, so for those of us who live in that five mile off the water range, in that little window, it's a whole different world, hurricanes are. Now remember, in 2004, Hurricane Charlie was heading directly to Tampa Bay. All the spaghetti models said, come into Tampa Bay, come into Tampa Bay. And we were, forgive me for my choice of words, we were peeing our pants really bad. The way that it works, and I know a lot of people don't understand this, praise Jesus, but it is, it's just the way it works. Risk management, which includes deciding where are you going to spend the money that you have in your budget to take care of the highways, the potholes, the bridges, the train tracks, all the things that are in your jurisdiction, all the things that are in your county. There's only so much tax money and tax dollars to go around. Okay? That's why they're always doing dorky things like saying, well, you can't put any bags of trash out at the street anymore because if it doesn't fit in the, in the Hillsborough County certified, you know, uh trash can with the microchip so we can count every single can and then they do that because it they it, it saves them a little you know and then they use that for, to close up a pothole or something so anyway in 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 that world civil engineering is the world that i'm talking about they're the meatheads who put up i'm sorry i shouldn't call them meatheads but they're the people who put up red lights and things like that so when you're driving down the road and it's like Three o'clock in the morning, which you shouldn't be out at that hour, so shame on you. But anyway, but let, let's just pretend you are for some absolutely ridiculous reason, because as far as I'm concerned, <laughs> that is the time you should not be out. But anyway, um, but let you know, and and you're like, man, I'm stopping at every light, and I'm going the speed limit. This is wrong. It's the civil engineers that you have to blame. They're the ones who time the lights. They're supposed to be timed so that you can go through the maximum number of lights. And, oh, by the way, the programming for the lights is such that they're programmed to synchronize differently at different times of the day. They take into account the amount of cars on the road, the amount of cars that are waiting at the light, and then they know the accordion effect that occurs because you've got Sally playing on her phone. You've got little old ladies who can't see over the, you know, dashboard. And, you know, and, and they, and they you know, it's like two minutes after the light turns green, they go, oh, because like 15 people are beeping. They take into that, that into effect. So they, their hope is that by the law of averages, you'll at least get through a couple of lights. Anyway. Those are the civil engineers, and those are the people. And by the way, the, the civil engineers are not always owned and operated by the county. Okay, they, oftentimes, if not almost all the time, the civil engineers are architectural firms, uh, highway building companies, concrete laying companies, you know, all the electrical companies. You know, these are subcontracted out to other companies. They bid on them. Now, why is that important? Because the rule of civil engineering is that 
if it ain't broke, you don't fix it. All right, I'm just going to say that one more time because you got to get this. If you don't get this, you won't understand what I'm talking about. If it ain't broke, you don't fix it. Okay, thank you very much. Now, once you get that that rule down hard, you will understand the next part that I'm going to explain to you. Tampa, Florida has not been hit directly by a hurricane since 1922. And yes, it was devastating. And yes, a lot of uh, just really bad things. And I've looked at the black and white photographs from 1922 of Tampa Bay when they got a direct hit. I do not know the name of the hurricane, nor do I care. But I do care about one thing. What happened when they rebuilt the infrastructure? The problem is in 1922, they didn't have the technology that we have in the 21st century in 2023. Or... 2019 or 2017 or 2012 or whatever. Okay, this is 1922. So when they went back and they rebuilt the damage that was done in Ybor City or whatever town or whatever part of the town that they had to go back and rebuild, the thing is all they had was a box of toothpicks. They had to put the power lines back up, and they're like, ah, doggone it, I've run out of toothpicks. Let's go cut down another tree. Yeah, Charlie, let's go over to Frank's farm and get a tree. Maybe there's a couple of downed ones. We won't have to get out the saw. You know, you probably think that I'm joking. I'm not. I um, did a job for, I'm not going to name the name of the customer. I just think it just probably not be a smart thing to do. But there's a company that's located in Virginia, and they provide, um, they're like Spectrum Cable. And Oh, and by the way, they don't just do all the things that Spectrum Cable does, which is triple play and blah, 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 and some other things. But they also deliver water to their entire district. And the water that they send to all the houses, gazillion, who knows how many neighborhoods and cities and towns and boroughs and all that kind of stuff, is uh, gravity-fed. But anyway, the reason I bring this up is that I can tell you that these organizations, these infrastructures are fragile, very fragile. And I was there to help them analyze how fragile it was because they were worried about tornadoes. And the reality is that they provided electricity, electrical, okay, electricity, electrical to all, to so many towns, boroughs, um, you know, whatever. Okay. Now, one of their problems was that they had only one location one location where they had the transformers. So all those things that you see on those telephone poles, those funky things that look like they're from a sci-fi thing, you think you think you're on like you know, uh, uh, you know, some old <laughs> Rod Serling's talking to you in your phone, <laughs> you know, and it, it, yeah, I mean th- th- those transformers. Those things that blow up, you know, when uh, when uh, bad weather events are occurring or, or tornadoes are going through town and you look off in the distance and, the, and all you see is darkness. You don't know that there's a tornado there, but then you start seeing all these transformers pop off and they're exploding and it's like these little white lights going bam, bam, bam. But, you, you know, there's, it's so far away, but you can see them all exploding. The transformers explode. Well, here's the problem. When you only got one place where you keep them there, Transformers. And there's other equipment too, by the way. A lot. A lot of special other equipment. 
not just transformers. And what happens is, if that tornado comes a certain direction, it's going to go over a certain road, it's, and, and there are going to be trees down. The bottom line is, their utility vehicles won't even be able to get to the place where the transformers are at. They can't even get there. How many more days will people be without power because they didn't think in advance and have a backup plan? Some of these transformers are old, 20, 30, 40, 50 years old, and they have to order them from other countries. They're special made. That's one of the reasons why the United States uh, power grid is so dangerously fragile because there's a lot of these substations that are out there that the equipment that, you, that they would have to buy if somebody do weaponed one of them. And, they, and according to the CNN special, they only have to laser do weapon, you know, a, three major substations in the United States and the whole country goes dark, like an EMP. Actually, it's much worse than an EMP, much worse than an EMP. EMPs are not in totality. Everybody thinks that, oh, an EMP went off. Every single thing that's electronic is going to be totally dead. Uh, everything is going to be black. It's just going to be black as blackout. It's going to be three days of darkness. Oh, my goodness. No. EMPs are power. It's, it's, it's electromagnetic radiation. It's a, it's a pulse that's very, very powerful, super powerful, very high amplitude, but e electromagnetism is easily blocked by things. Okay, so when it has to go through a building, or it has to go through a hill, or it has to go through something, it, the, it goes down, and so it's pocketed. You'll have, you know, this town will have power, that town will not. This guy won't have anything working in his house. This guy over here will have 50% of the things working in his house. Okay, and, you know, so anyway, it's much worse to have a directed energy weapon point, you know, take out those three substations. You know why? Because they don't have the transformer parts that they need. One of the reasons is because the, the local community tax dollars and budgets can't afford to put in the business that I work in. One of the things, my specialties is business continuity. And so what you're supposed to do is identify those things, the things that are really expensive and they have a long lead time to get them replaced. You have to identify all of those and then you have to buy extra ones in advance and you put them in what's called storage escrow. The problem is when the board of directors of that organization takes a look at the price tag for doing so, they go, eh, eh, oh, what are the odds the Chinese are going to do weaponize? Come on. I'm willing to take the chance. What about you guys? We've got to make Wall Street happy. Come on. And that's exactly how it works. So in 1922, when Tampa got its last hurricane hit, they didn't have anything but a bunch of, you know, broken down old trees to rebuild things with. And, you know, yeah, 
there's an occasional car accident here or there or a truck that hits a pole here or there and the power will go off in a small part of the town or whatever. That you know, It's just normal attrition. And, yes, it's a, to me, it's a wonderful thing. I And I don't want anybody to get hurt. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is any time the civil engineers are forced to take one of those bent over 75-year-old dead trees they call telephone poles, and they're forced to replace it with a state-of-the-art steel tower, I'm like, hallelujah. But if I was to guesstimate, I would have to guesstimate that probably 80% or more of the Tampa Bay area is still operating off of 75-year-old bent wooden telephone poles. When Hurricane Ian hit Fort Myers or the Fort Myers area last year, there were alerts that were being sent out to the population around where I live, letting people know, especially those in St. Petersburg, that they were doomed. (laughs) I mean, they basically said, um, we are sorry to say that because of the feeder bands and stuff from Hurricane Ian, a fantastic amount of water has flooded up into certain key areas, and, um, and it went underground where we have the, you know, so what happens is a power plant, you see this power plant, you look across like the bay or whatever. If you have water nearby, it's probably on the other side of the bay or whatever. If you don't have water nearby, then who knows where they have it hid. But somewhere around you, you've got a power station or or a power plant, okay? And, you know, whether it burns coal to turn those turbines so the turbines will generate really high voltage, you know, megawatts of electricity, what happens is if you – the way you have to kind of understand how it works is you got the power plant, and then coming out of the power plant, you've got these cables that are so big that it takes trucks, it takes forklifts, it takes uh, very, very powerful, heavy uh, equipment to move these things. They're on these coils. No human being can lift them. That's how big the cables are. They're about, well, about a foot across. Maybe eight, maybe 10 inches in diameter. I don't know. But they are huge. And then they, they feed them underground coming away from the power plant, and they go into all this fancy equipment. But all that fancy equipment, guess what? It's underground. So when that water comes washing up, it goes right down there and short circuits the whole thing out, and everything explodes. And then they ha- open up the hatch, and they're, they're like going, first they're thinking to themselves, I ain't going down there. Are you going down there? I'm not going down there. Go get... Charlie, he don't care. You know, call Mikey. He'll eat anything. I mean, you know, but, you know, it's a mess. And they sent out photographs in the newspaper, in the St. Pete Times, which I got a hold of, with photographs of electrical workers inside the underground whatever they are, conduit things, okay, where these gigantic cables are running from the power plants. And they're like, folks, we're sorry to tell you this, but these things are dorked up real bad. 
you're not going to have power for a real long time. This might be the best time to have a nice little visit with your family up in, you know, Seneca Falls, New York or something. And, I, you know, I knew exactly what what they were talking about. I knew exactly what happened. And you know what? Here's the thing. To add insult to injury, it's worse than that. Because all that was was Ian. All that was was a little bit of backwash. Now, Ian, we have changed, and now we no longer have hurricanes. I don't care what anybody says. The, the hurricane Charlie pulled into Florida in 2004, and, I, and it was in Punta Gorda. Punta Gorda, it takes me mm, an hour and a half. It's 90 minutes south of where I live. If I'm, if I'm going like 65 miles an hour, it's about 90 minutes. Charlie turned into Punta Gorda. Me and my friends back then, we celebrated so bad. I drove my car over to my friend Eric's house. We literally jumped. I jumped out of my car. I ran, and I screamed at the top of my lungs, Eric! He was still pounding nails in, in it to, to get the plywood up. People break out into fights in Tampa. When one of those hurricanes is coming directly toward Tampa, there are fist fights that break out at Lowe's and Home Depot. They want, they, they'll kill you over a piece of plywood. It's dangerous. You have to be over at those uh, stores at like 2.30 a.m. to have a hope in heck to get a couple of pieces of plywood if you don't get your butt kicked first. Never mind the grocery store. The grocery store is three or four days before the hurricane even is within range. Okay, they're gone. Everything's wiped out. I, you know, I've, I've heard people say, oh, this and oh, that, and we can't believe that our, our shelves are so bare. And I'm like, well, then you don't live five miles from a hurricane coming. You have no idea. You have no idea. No idea. I can tell you as a fact if a big hurricane, if a cat four like a Charlie is coming, but here's the thing. When Charlie, when you walk into a public supermarket, you walk into a Walmart super, super, everything is gone. The only thing that's left is like a raggedy inn, a couple of kids' bikes. I mean, everything is gone place is wiped out. So, um, I mean, as far as the, you know, food or any kind of sustenance or water or anything like that is concerned. All right. And if it's a Publix, which sells pretty much that's all they do sell, it's, it's just a ghost town. You can hear echoes when you're walking. I mean, there's nothing there. You know, you might be able to get some relish and some mustard and put it on your finger and whatever, but that's about it. I'm getting hungry. But anyway, um, so... If a hurricane were to ever directly hit Tampa Bay, like it did in 1922, the sticks and stones infrastructure that exists here is going to fall like a house of cards, and everything is going to be gone. Tampa will cease to function as an operative city. It'll be very much like Katrina and downtown New Orleans, very much, except I'm pretty sure that downtown New Orleans was much, much more fortified because the more hurricanes that hit your town, the stronger they rebuild it. Every time they get hit, they know where the weaknesses are and they put stronger, bigger, meaner towers up the next time. That's why all the governors 
announce a state of emergency before the thing gets nearby because that guarantees them X number of billions of dollars from the federal government's tax kitty, okay, uh, and then they have it sitting in a bank account uh, so they can go in and start rebuilding infrastructure and getting stuff working again. But if you haven't been hit direct and you just got sticks and stones stand, you know, around and you do get hit at that point, it's game over. And that's exactly where Tampa is. Tampa has not had that happen. We haven't had a hurricane hit. Charlie in 2004 made a hard right into Punta Gorda, 90 minutes south of my house. And that day I was out at my pool drinking umbrella drinks and enjoying the sun. After I celebrated and you know, all that, that it wasn't coming. When her, then think about it. I mean, I might have my dates off a little bit. I'm, I know that Charlie was 2004, and there were probably like Florence. I think there was another one in between. There's a couple other hurricanes that, that were relatively minor, but anyway, um, but there was like a 10-year respite. Like 10 years went by, and Florida didn't get any hurricanes at all, which is unheard of. <clears throat> and um, and then all of a sudden comes Irma. Same exact dynamic. All the spaghetti models, pretty much, that are worth their weight in whatever, uh, were pointing for a direct hit on Tampa for days and days and days. And I will tell you that every store was absolutely wiped out. Absolutely. Everything is gone. Everything is gone. Everything is gone. Gasoline. Everything is gone. All, when you drive down the road, all, every single gas station, every single Thorntons, every single Speedway, every place you pass by, all you see is white bags over the handles. I'm not talking 24 hours before it hits. I'm talking four days before it hits. So, um, And so when Irma came up, it was supposed to hit Tampa, and I remember we prayed live on the air with Jose, and by golly, that thing made a hard right and went into Naples. That's unheard of, by the way. It might have been steered by, you know, these creepy uh, weather control things. Who knows? But... There wasn't a computer in the world that would have predicted that Irma would make a right, a sudden right-hand turn and go directly into Florida and then track directly up the center of Florida. That's, that particular trajectory is like uh, – there's no computer in the world that would have calculated that as even a minute possibility. All right, And then the same thing with Ian, oddly. It's, it's projected to go straight up into Tampa. Everybody's in a total tizzy and a panic, and then – you know, and, I, and I've told people this before. That and I, you know, the thing about it is, praise Jesus. Uh, you know, I, I, it's not that I wish horrible things to happen to other people and not me, but I recognize, from a risk management standpoint, if that hurricane is going to turn into the state of Florida and it's going to hit a part of the state of Florida that has already been hit before and is fortified and has new power lines and solid steel and all the transformers are the latest and the greatest and stuff like that, they're going to take a far less hit. Yes, the houses that are right on the beach are going to be wiped out. That is always the case. But I'm talking about a five going back five miles. 
I'm 3.7 miles from the north end of the Tampa Bay, basically. Um, you know, uh, Tampa Bay is a, has an odd shape, and, you know, it's a little bit – you've got to pick the right part of Tampa Bay to calculate the 3.7-mile thing. But I'm in the, uh, the Delta EVAC zone. So I'm right outside of Charlie EVAC, and that means I don't have required flood insurance. I should get it, but I, you know, I don't have it. It's not required. Um, but anyway, that's the problem with Tampa. That's the problem that nobody understands. So when these things are heading this way, people will kill you for that last piece of plywood. They'll beat the boy out there. You'll be lucky if you don't have a skull fracture. They fight. They break out in the massive fist fights, and um, it's bad. They're so the, the the fights that they get into at these lows and stuff. I mean, the employees are trying to break them up. They're getting in the middle of them. I'm thinking to myself, man, dude, run for your life. But anyway, that's the state of hysteria that a city like Tampa or any other city that is that has a large amount of its population. I think there's over like 1 million people that are inside of the the A evacuation zone. My daughter lives. She she tried to get a house that was way far away from the water and she didn't get it. It was their first house that they were buying her and her husband. Then they got another house and they decided it was so difficult to get a house at all that they went ahead and cho- said, yeah, we'll close on this house. This is good enough. And they took it. It's in the A of Act zone. At nine, uh, so a couple, uh, so the night of the hurricane, my house is getting beat badly. We no longer have hurricanes. We have apocalypticanes. Okay, the the meteorologists and the scientists have never calculated these things. You have to see in the world of tornadoes, they have F4s, F3s, F5s, you know, and they've calculated into the F scale rating the width of the tornado. How wide is it? What is its girth? How much is it going to, you know, when it cruises across town, is the whole town going to disappear or just a few houses? The They have never done that with hurricanes. But like I said, I was by the pool when Charlie pulled into Florida. Ten years later, when Irma comes along, it makes that sudden right-hand turn, and I'm like going, oh, Lord, Father, thank you, Jesus, you answered the prayer. Little did I know that that apocalyptic cane, which was about six times wider than Charlie, was going to go creeping super slow up the center of Florida and beat everyone half to death. I was out of power for, like I said, over three days. It was horrible. And the only way I was able to sleep was I I 
figured out eventually, because I'm kind of dense, um, that if I open up every single window on the one side of the house and the back double glass sliding doors and the windows on the back side of the house, that a breeze will blow through the house during the evening. And so what I did was I pushed a recliner into the line of the breeze, and I was able to actually catch a couple of hours of sleep. But it was all about D-cell battery-operated fans. Folks, I'm telling you, if you haven't listened to the radio show that I did on emergency supplies, you need to go back and you need to buy the stuff now. Because if you don't, you're going to be the saddest puppy in the kennel. You need a, a couple of the D-cell-powered fans. Do not store the batteries out in the garage. We covered all these things on that show. Batteries do not – they can say they have 10-year shelf life. Yep. They surely will, but they don't tell you that the 10-year shelf life is only if you keep them in air conditioning. They're worthless if you keep them in your garage. So there's just so many things that you have to learn through the School of Hard Knocks. And if you don't have the School of Hard Knocks to teach you, guess what? You're not going to be prepared. You're not going to have a place to go to the bathroom. You're not going to have any water to drink. It's going to be horrible. See, it's horrible enough to have no air conditioning in it, in it and you're, it's 115 degrees, you're suffering, you, you know, your fish are dying because you didn't have a battery-operated bubbler, you didn't test your gasoline, you didn't make sure that your generator was working, or maybe you don't have a generator. There's so many things. All of a, you know, I, I so many things. So I consider myself very blessed that I've had to go through these multi-day outages. But it was horrible. I anointed every single tree on my property. Well, anyway, long story short was with, you know, long story short, yeah, like that will ever happen with me. But anyway, um, the at 2.30 a.m., the wind started to hit. Remember, these are apocalypticanes. They're... Again, I don't, I don't know how else to put it except to estimate that they're approximately six times the, di the diameter of Charlie, which leveled Punta Gorda but didn't touch Tampa. When Ian went into Fort Myers, which is another 30 minutes south of Punta Gorda, my house was getting beat. It was unbelievably horrible. <clears throat> 75-mile-an-hour uh, sustained wind gusts, and I'm sitting up in my office, and I am just flipping out, praying, God, I'm commanding the winds to stop, you know, or, or you know, whatever. It was just a horrible, horrible, horrible thing to go through. And this is from a, a, an apocalyptic cane that is 30 minutes further south than Charlie. These are just the distant feeder bands. And it was beating Tampa to death. So anyway, it was a miracle that I get, got to keep my power on. Thank you, Jesus. Um, and also, similarly, it was a miracle that I got to keep my power on while this other monster apocalyptic went by. But I will tell you something, folks. They announced 
my phone was going off with those emergency alerts, and it's like, you know, deadly storm surge, run for your lives. I mean, they were intense, and they would say, you know, it'd say like extreme warning, you know, and, and everybody's like going, oh, you know, evacuation zone A out now. You know, it's, oh, it's just absolutely crazy, and it has you, the hair is standing up on the back of your neck, and in the meantime, it's 3 o'clock in the morning, 2.30 in the morning, and your house is just getting pummeled, and there's horizontal rain smashing into the windows, and if you've never felt high-speed hurricane force, horizontal rain, you have no idea what I'm talking about, and you don't know how horrific it is to endure. It is scary. And I was hearing things hit my roof. One thing after another. Bam, 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 bam. I mean, it was just, it was unbelievable. I finally just said, no point in trying to sleep through this. I just got up out of bed around, you know, 3 o'clock a.m., and I went and sat in my prayer chair and started looking at it, and my phone kept off set, setting off alarms and everything else under design. By the time that thing got far enough away where the house wasn't getting beaten real bad, there were thunderstorms that followed afterwards around 6 a.m. The power did go out three times but came back on. Thank you, Jesus. And I was uh, sitting there. I don't know. I, somebody was asking me, uh, sent me a text, and I said, well, you know, I've got this swollen part of my ankle. And she said, well, you know, I work with doctors, and uh, is it on the same leg where you had the uh, meniscus knee surgery at? And I said, yeah. She said, well, you might have a blood clot, and if you do, your life is at stake. You need to go to an emergency room. Now, this is about 6, 6.30 a.m., 6 to 6.30 a.m. in the morning. She's telling me this. And I'm like, you do understand that this is a hurricane, right? <laughs> okay? You do understand there are going to be trees down, telephone poles down. It's going to be absolute mess, you know, that kind of thing. So anyway, long story short, once I was convinced that I was about to die, um, I followed the instructions. Of pe- different. I had a couple of people that contacted me. I, I had – there was a handful of people that were – No, Johnny, no, Johnny, no. Go now. Dial 911. Get an ambulance. Go, Johnny. I mean, that's what, that was the franticness that I was dealing with. Now, I'm sitting there in my chair, very tired, absolutely exhausted. And, yes, I got this swollen area on my ankle. And I just told the people that were telling me to call 911, I said, I just said, I'm I'm not going to. If I die, I die. I'm t- you know, to live as Christ, to die is gain. I was totally fine with that. But everybody else wasn't. So I called... United Health spoke, used their ask a nurse thing. The nurse confirmed and said, "Yeah, you need to go now." During the hurricane, of course, or in the aftermath of it, and um, and the aftermath ain't pretty, by the way. But anyway, um, you still got heavy, relatively heavy gusts of wind, and you know, shut down roads, flooding everywhere. It's like kind of crazy, but um. So you see, UHC sends me a list of urgent care facilities nearby my house. I called everyone. They're all closed on account of weather. 
Every one of them was closed. So then I called the hospitals because I figured maybe their emergency rooms would be open. It's like the last place on the face of the earth that I would like to be, ever. They were all closed. They literally shut down the emergency rooms. So if an ambulance picked up a person with two, you know, their legs broken off, no place to take them. Now, they probably had maybe one trauma center open in all of the Tampa Bay area that they could, you know, helivac or whatever, you know, that kind of thing in a worst case scenario. But they, they were all like, we're closed, man. We're closed. Don't come. Get lost. And then I was being told to call an ambulance, and I'm like, no, I'm not going to do it. Because if I call an ambulance, I'm going to get a $5,000 bill that I have to pay, and I am not doing it. I would rather die of a pulmonary embolism. And I meant it. And um, then I'm not going to drop names, but then somebody that is a friend of mine that, you know, she uh, she was she, – somehow she pulled a wild four-leaf clover out from – I don't know, behind her ear or something, and she found this place on North Del Mabry that was actually open, and they had a sonogram. And that was the miracle for sure, because not only were they open and not only could they treat, but they had a sonogram, which is critical, because without the sonogram, you cannot detect the clot. Well, anyway, long story short, the clot detection activity failed, which was actually Good news, um, because they didn't have to put me on blood thinners and put me in the hospital and watch me real close because I might die of an pulmonary embolism and blah, 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 blah. And it just goes on and on and on. Well, when I finally got – I was there for six hours. <laughs> and I'm not joking you. Uh, anyway, they were poking and prodding me. I, I got a bruise on my – oh, man, that looks bad. It's like black. It ain't black and blue. It's black. Where they put the IV in, they pumped me full of antibiotics, rocephin, which is one of the strongest ones out there. They've got me on another antibiotic that I have to take two times a day. And uh, it's a word that I have never heard before in all of my life. The word is, oh, sulfameth trimethoprim. The pharmacist told the person that went and got to get this for me, this is the strongest antibiotic that has ever been created in all the universes. You better make sure he eats something when he takes those pills. Blah, blah, blah. I looked on WebMD and they said, uh, if you have an upset stomach, you have to eat. Anyway, it's all beside the point. Um... It revealed something to me. It's a long story, but it was the Lord's way of showing me that I had to change my lifestyle, get very serious about my diet, get very serious about my workout. I'm talking about life-threatening. If I continue – see, the problem is it's a long story, but when you're dealing with – you're trapped in your house, you're not traveling anymore, so you're not running through airports, you're getting very little exercise, you're, you're You have a knee problem, so you are in excruciating pain. So the last thing you want to do is move or get up and walk. You don't even want to go to the bathroom. 
And then, um, you know, this went on for months because the surgeon was trying to make sure that I actually, that the meniscus wasn't going to heal on its own. And he didn't want to send me to the MRI even because he needs to justify Blah, blah, blah. You know, the whole routine. You know, they got to do this first and that, then this first and that, and then, you know, whatever. So I had that stretched everything out over months. And you know what? It's kind of depressing. So then you're going through this and you're de- it's depressing on top of everything. I'm doing the radio show. I'm running out of gas. I've got stress coming at me from a thousand different directions. I'm in a lot of pain and, um, and whatever. Um, you know, it's getting to the point where it sounds like a big complaining session. I don't mean it to sound that way. But the bottom line is that's a bad place to be when you've been working a sedentary job for 12 years. Because what will happen is your body will go into atrophy. Bad things will happen with the, uh, your pancreas, with the way your everything processes. Things will break down. But I'm like a kid. You know, I don't really think about all those things. And what am I going to do anyway? I don't have anybody to do any. I can't ride a bike with somebody or do anything with anybody because there's nobody to do it with. So I just figure, okay, well, I'll just, you know, whatever, binge some TV program or something, whatever, um, until the next radio show. So the bottom line is that this ended up being a blessing for me, as horrible or impossible as that is to derive from the story. The moral of the story, praise Jesus, is that it taught me that I don't have a choice. Because now I know what the root cause of the swelling area is. So I've got compression socks coming. There was a time long, long, long ago, and no, I'm not going to sing American Pie for you, but it was about, let me think, hmm, 2017, 2016, 2015, I think it was 2015. I had it's a, it's a long story and I will, I will spare you but the bottom line is I got I was getting an implant and I was getting jaw jaw grafts. I don't know if you know what those are. But they had to graft more bone into my jaw to make it wider so they could use stronger implant posts. It's one of the most agonizing, horrible things that any human being can be subjected to. It is my estimation that it's at least four times more agonizing than giving birth. But anyway, and I had to go through two of them. And you, the pain is so you, – you can, you, can, you can put large Vicodin tablets inside your Pez dispenser and it doesn't matter. Nothing works. It's too painful. Uh, So anyway, because I was going through all that pain, I um, just decided not to eat. And that one thing led to another, and I ended up losing like almost 100 pounds. Um, Eventually, I had weaned myself back onto Adkins Phase 1 and ate chicken and pickles and cheese and things like that and salmon when you could actually buy it in the store without it costing you 30 bucks for a six-ounce piece. But anyway, long story short, 
I was able to drop from a size 56 waist, 360 pounds, down to a size, I don't know, I was a 48 and 265 pounds. The problem is that because of happenstance, the pandemic, a lot of people call it the pandemic 30, whatever. But the bottom line is this. With, with the weight gain that I picked up over the pandemic time and the weight gain that I picked up over the busted up knee time and my depressive behaviors that, that didn't include any kind of working out or bike riding or anything like that, This swelled left leg, I remember back in like 2015, right prior to getting the implant, my doctor said I had a proclivity toward type 2 diabetes. She didn't say I was, but she said she has indicators on the A1C. She sent me packing with five deadly medications because that's what you do. And I went immediately home, looked up all of them on the Internet, grabbed a whole bunch of them, threw them into the trash. And I said, no way. I'm going to work this off. And I did. Of course, the implant helped motivate me and made it even go faster. Praise God. So... But unfortunately, happenstance, the things that are going on in the world, the pandemic, uh, you know, the meniscus thing, all that stuff, everything just added up into a big pile of ugly, and I have to reverse it. I have to reverse it. So anyway, this was a blessing, such a blessing, because God, here's the thing. If you're going to have to be on this earth, and I know there's a lot of, a lot of you out there that relate to this. If you, if you know that you're going to have to be on this earth, I even told some of the people that were barking at me to, you need to call 911. You need to get an ambulance right now, Johnny. You need to, you know, you know, I'm like, oh, no, I don't. I don't care if I die. I'm fine with that. See, the thing was, I was cool with a pulmonary embolism because I knew it'd be instant death. Might hurt like heck just before you die, but. You know, for the most part, you die, you're going to die. And so for me, I was okay with that. What I'm not okay with is a slow, degenerative, agonizing years of misery. That I'm not okay with. And so that's what... I have to look forward to if I don't make an immediate change right now. And that was the Lord's way. For me, for me, the timing was just too impossible. I'm not going to get into that, but I'm just telling you the timing was unbelievably impossible. I didn't even know that there was a swollen area in my left ankle. Okay, it, it just, it just, the day before the hurricane, it started to hurt a little bit. And I was like, and then it started to get red and then it started to feel warm. And then I was like, but it was like the day before the hurricane. Before that, it was just like, I'm like, is my legs starting to swell? What is this? And I've never heard of compression socks. Nobody ever mentioned it to me. I didn't know anything about any of that stuff. Okay, so, you know, what do I know? Well, it was the Lord's way of telling me, Johnny, you crossed the line there, buddy. 
You don't want to sit in a get a feeding tube in a hospice for the next three years. You you need to get on that. You need to get on a stick and get it straightened out right now. So anyway, I have a newfound motivation for getting. You know, my final surgical appointment is September 11th, like I mentioned, and I'm praying that the Lord that I mean that the surgeon will say. You're good to go. I think you're going to be fine. I got to give them a little bit of bad news. I get an occasional burning feeling from the rightmost incision point occasionally, but otherwise I'm fine. And I praise God for that. So he awakened me to obviously my blood sugar was high. Um, so that's a bad sign. Okay, especially when you have a proclivity toward it. And so I got to fix it. I know how to fix it, intermittent fasting, Atkins phase one, hit it hard, hit it fast, start working out, I'm going to do it. So I'm all over it. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. But that was our Heavenly Father's way of saying, here you go, buddy. Here's your sign. Praise Jesus. So once again, I fumbled the ball. I I, uh, stretch this story out in great detail, but hopefully you're at least able to take away from it some things of value to yourself in regard to preparation, the importance of preparation. Um, We've got to get creative. If you're anything at all like me, and you have, like, no friends, nobody to ride a bike with, nobody to do anything with. Um, And I know there's people out there listening to this program right now that are probably just like that. And I'm here to tell you something right now. You're going to have to get creative. I have to get creative. And if I have to do it, you have to do it. Because you can't just wait it out. Your body will deteriorate, atrophy will set in, your chemicals will go imbalanced, and bad things will start to happen. And you won't even see it coming. And the Lord made sure that I saw it coming because he threw a hurricane in my face and another medical professional telling me I was going to die. That's that has a way of getting your attention. So that, you know, I just praise God for all of that, and I wanted to share that with you. And also, I think it's good to help people to understand the magnitude of what you have to look forward to. I pray always to be found worthy to escape all these things that are about to come upon the earth and stand before the Son of Man at the wedding supper of the Lamb. I praise God that he had the mercy to awaken me um, in such a dramatic manner. I mean, I, I could, I could. There's so much more I could add to this story. 9 a.m. When I am driving over to the urgent care that we found uh, 30 minutes from my house that was open, it was a miracle with the son with the sonogram. Um, at 9 a.m., I get a call from my daughter in a heated panic, and she's going, Dad. Dad, there's water rushing down our street, Dad. And I'm like, she's like, I got, we got to get out of here. We got to get out of here. And she, she hung up the phone and disappeared. The next day she told me, Dad, it's a miracle. Not a drop of water came inside of our house. 
but every other house on the entire road. The Gulf of Mexico is like anywhere from three inches to a foot plus across their entire home. All their furniture is destroyed, TVs, electronics, everything they own, gone. I told my daughter, I'm happy that you didn't get hit. I praise Jesus for that, but I, my heart is breaking for the rest of those people on that street. They got nothing. They might as well have got hit with a space laser. They got that much left. And homeowner's insurance and renter's insurance barely does gives you enough money to stop by Walmart, buy a couple of shorts and a Hawaiian shirt or two, and go back to work if you still have a job. And if it happened on my daughter's street, I can tell you that it happened on probably an untold number of hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of streets all the way up the coast. I can tell you that I found out from somebody who had seen it with their own eyes that the water was going over the top of the Howard Franklin Bridge. You can look it up just like it sounds, Howard Franklin. The water just washed right up over the bridge. As a matter of fact, the uh, headlines came out prior to all this happening saying that Tampa Bay is going to get a once-in-a-lifetime storm surge. And that, I guess, is essentially what happened. Now, it didn't, you know, affect me, praise God. When I got back from the urgent care, uh, Lori, the widow lady, said, shh, come in here and look. And we both peeked over the privacy fence and a very large branch of a tree on my property had broken free from the tree and fell right on the roof of their house. Fortunately, it wasn't dead center or anything. It was the very edge. It was really only a, a kind of like an overhang portion, probably pretty trivial to repair, but um, a miracle that nobody got hurt. Anyway, long story short, I uh, that's why I asked for so many people to pray because uh, I sent out I, now, you, not everybody's going to get this kind of communication. These are going to be the people that friend, you know, make, make friends with me on Google Chat or have you know, my SMS text message. But people don't understand why homeowners insurance is such a problem in Florida. And I'll tell you why it is. All the insurance companies left. The Florida State Insurance Commission had to get on their knees and beg some of them to stay. There is no State Farm. There is no Progressive. There is no All-State. There's none of that here. There is no farmers. They're all gone. There's a few that still 
write some policies. It's pretty rare. For me to get mine, they had to fly drones over my house. It was the most insane thing you ever saw. And mine is actually affordable, which is a miracle from Jesus. However, if anything happens, so much as a phone call, I was told that the underwriter, the company that has my homeowner's insurance, will drop me like a hot match, and there will be no going back. And he might say, big deal, go get insurance from someone else. It's not how it works in Florida. In Florida, you have to go on to citizens. It's like you had a bad car accident, and now you have to be on SR-22 insurance for X number of years. When you go to citizens insurance, the lowest you'll pay is $6,000 a year. So you have to take your mortgage payment, and you have to add five hundred dollars to it, maybe more, per month. And that's why there are millions of retirees leaving Florida right now. There are it's the number one reason it's the number one cause of foreclosure in the state of Florida. I be willing to bet that Florida has more foreclosures probably than any other state in the United States because of the insurance. That's the part that people don't understand. And when you get your arms around it, see, see to, to the people that I ask to pray for me, they don't understand. Why are you so worried? Why is this such a big deal? Because they just don't understand how it works. I received one of those BlackRock letters today offering me a wad of cash, sight unseen, for my house. And I'm telling you, it's looking mighty attractive right now. Providing I can turn it around and buy a something much smaller and up in Pennsylvania nearby my family. Although I know if I go up there, I'm just going to be disgusted with them all because, anyway, you know how family can be. Um, but anyway, praise God. Thank you, Jesus. I'm, I thank you for taking the time. At least now I don't have to talk about this on the Sunday show, and I'm sorry to burden you with, uh, you know, if it wasn't something that you wanted to be hearing about uh, on the prayer video, I'm sorry that I ate up the prayer, so much of the prayer vigil time with this information. I do praise God. As a matter of fact, I'll change the title of this pro, uh, show. Um, i got to be careful about that because when you change the title, it messes with the link, and then people take the emails, and I get, and I get all these emails, and people are like, what happened? And uh, it's just a lot of work. But anyway, I, I'll figure something out, but I'd like to change it, you know, and have the testimony about the hurricane in the title somehow, because I want to be able to point people back to it so that they can understand that I'm not being a crybaby when I'm asking for prayer. I just, people just don't understand 
why it's such a big deal. To them, it's like homeowner's insurance is a phone call away. If they lose homeowner's insurance, they'll have a new homeowner's insurance policy within 30 minutes of the one that just dropped them. And they don't understand it. They don't understand that you're going to lose your house. You know, so anyway, um, uh, it, you know, I think, I think this program was jam-packed full of information that will help many people understand the dynamics that people face when they are in these places. And you know what? A lot of us think we're in places that are impervious to such stuff, but we're not. More and more hemicanes are occurring. There's a hurricanes over land. Don't even get me going on the intensity of the tornadoes. Look at the stuff that's happening over the United Kingdom and in, and in, and in the uh, European Union. A lot of hemicanes over there. Flooding of unbelievable landslides like I've never seen before. Don't even get me going on the fires. Because remember the fires. And yes, I do think uh, at this point, I think they're, they're do-weaponing us to death on purpose. Um, but here's the thing. When those when those fires go through those lands in British Columbia and all these other places, landslides, mudslides everywhere because the it's the foliage, it's the trees that hold the the soil in place. So this earth is going to be coming logarithmically more apocalyptic as each week goes by, and. I'm glad that I took the time to talk about the substations, to talk about the infrastructure, to talk about the electrical systems and the feeds that come off of them, to talk about the fact that they could shoot that Dagnabbit laser at three locations uh, in within five seconds and take out the entire grid for the United States. I mean, we're dealing with a very precarious time period or time window right now. On top of all of that, we got Donald Trump. On top of all of that, we have them lying, 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 as they always do, about the uh, COVID and about the lockdowns and about the masks coming, because they are coming. They're just doing it little by little by little. Now, may they, might they back off? Might they back off? They might. And if they do, praise God, because I would really like just one more chance to see my family, as much as they irritate me <laughs> most of the time. Don't everybody, I mean, most people, you know, we all have that problem. But anyway, um, uh, it would be nice to go, you know, this is the first time this Christmas, if, I, if we make it that far, it will be the first time my family has seen my daughter since she was a little kid. It's been way over 10 years since she's been up there. So all they remember is a pudgy little girl. And now she's, you know, all that. <laughs> I'm her dad, you know, but but anyway, um, uh, so it's uh, it's kind of a big deal for me, praise God. I hope that I get to make it. I hope that they don't force a vax. If they force a vax to get on the plane, then I ain't going. And my daughter will probably cry. And uh, we might end up having to drive or something, but I hope not because I'm too old for that. It's miserable driving 17 hours one way and 17 hours back. Just absolutely miserable. But I'd probably do it for her. 
make her do all the driving. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. All right. Hallelujah. So anyway, on that note, let's go ahead. And I, I know you're saying, oh, yeah, gee, thanks. Thanks. You just ate up the whole prayer vigil. We've been we got gypped out of Wednesday. OK. And now you talk about all this stuff that nobody in. Oh, man. And now you left us with a whole all of a 37 minutes. Thanks a lot. <laughs> you know what? And you know what? I wouldn't blame you. I wouldn't blame you. But I also know that I have not received so many, I'm just, I'm not going to say emails. I'm going to say communications. I have never, 12 years, 7,000 radio shows is my estimation. I think I'm correct about that. Um, 12 years, approximately 7,000 radio shows. And I have never received so many communications, probably more than a third of them were from people. I just didn't recognize their name. They may have never talked to me before, which is great. I love it. I like to hear from people that I've never heard from before. But I also love to hear from people that, you know, regularly. I, You know, to me, I'm just this, I'm just some fat 61-year-old guy with a Hawaiian shirt sweating down here in a house in Tampa. Okay, there's nothing, you know, nothing special about me. Nothing. Nothing. Now, some people, you know, I, Lori B., I'll, I'll just leave it at that. She wrote me, and she's like, you just don't understand how much people depend upon you and how much they love you. And, you know, and I'm like, I'm like thinking to myself, like she says, hi, Johnny, it's a relief to hear that you're home. <clears throat> it's a relief to hear that your home is all right. It must have been an awful experience to go through. <clears throat> Hopefully your daughter's house will be all right. Water damage is so awful. I'm praying for you and your family, your knee, and, and, and I know you have so much on your plate right now. I'm sorry for all of your struggles. We'll just keep asking and then she puts in all, all capital letters, Y. She says, I'm so very thankful to hear that ov- overall you, your doggies, and family are not injured. That is certainly something to be thankful for. God bless you. And I said, th- you know, I said to her, uh, th- you know, thanks. And I showed her some pictures and stuff. And then she wrote back and, yeah, listen to this. She ends with a letter. This is just a sampling of dozens of communications. She says, greetings, Johnny. She said, I'm sorry it took me so long to get back to you. I was at my sister's birthday yesterday. I uh, got together with family. I figured it'd be better, you know, this and the other thing before we move, or she's hoping to move. Uh, it says, um, it's interesting that you mentioned moving from Florida, because I'm seriously thinking about it, uh, that thought that thought has crossed my mind maybe you are being encouraged to move on you know away from the coastline i do believe things are going to get worse you know everywhere etc cetera, etc cetera. and then she says what a miracle that your daughter's house was not inundated with water seriously seriously praise god she says and then she goes um i don't know if you really realize how much people care about you that's what she says uh oh oh no oh goody it came up what a miracle. I just had another miracle happen. Um, my sound effect board just went dead. <laughs> right in the middle of this. Oh, okay, so I don't have music and things. 
I mean, I, but anyway, she says, I don't know if you really realize how much people care about you. You are a part of our families. We listen to you several times a week. You keep us informed of what is going on. You explain things for a layman to understand, like me. And you relate it biblically. And you usually do it with a sense of humor, lots of exclamation points. You are always yourself, like you say. You wear your heart on your sleeve. So I think that makes us all feel like we know you personally and care about you deeply. You do so much for all of us. I am praying that your knee is healed, healed in the holy name of Jesus Christ. Uh, uh, Jesus said so. Seriously, what an amazing blessing. God bless you and your family, Lori. No pressure, right? <laughs> right? Okay. <laughs> my daughter's calling me at 9 o'clock, panicking, going, water coming down my street. You know, I mean, it's just absolutely, this was the last couple of days. And, I, you know, in accordance with that thing that I read you earlier, if I'm so exhausted I can't finish a sentence, if I'm angry, if I'm upset, if I'm in pain, send me an email. Tell me, put Put your name, put your email on the list. I'll do it for you. Then you don't have to look up the website. You don't have to try to click the right button. You don't have to worry about any error messages that you might get. Just send it to me, and I'll put it on there. And at least then you'll have the email notifications of the show. So then if somebody, who you're like, hey, I really want to hear that person on Wednesday night. I really want to hear that person on Sunday night. And you, you like make special arrangements. Um, instead of, you know, listening to Sally from around the world or whatever, you decide you're going to listen to Johnny or whatever the case is. You know, I'm, I'm just, you know, tongue in cheek in it. But I'm just saying. And, and it, it, it's not a personal thing for me. I, I, I'm the same way. I would be the same way. I don't, you know, if you're hanging on every word that I say, then I worry for you. I wouldn't, I wouldn't want you to do that. You know, I shouldn't be that important to you. It's one thing to pray for me as a fellow brother or a sister in Christ or whatever. Um, that's great. And I, <laughs> Lord needs, <laughs> I need more prayer than anybody's out. I mean, I need the prayer. I need it. Really bad. Okay, and I'm not shy about it. <laughs> I want as much as I can get. I'm like a, you know, a train hobo that hasn't had a sandwich in like 30 days. <laughs> okay, I need some prayer. But anyway, I just want to thank God for every single one of you. I want to thank God and praise Jesus for every single person that took the time to email me, to communicate with me, regardless of the hundreds of different messengers that they came in on. I'm kidding. It's not that many, but it seems like it sometimes. I just want to thank you. I really want to thank every one of you because, believe it or not, when life starts to run you over like a quarry truck, and I think a lot of us know how that feels. I think we really, really do. I'm not saying, and that isn't, I'm saying that with the utmost of sincerity. I think the analogy is more like a quarry truck running over us once and then backing up over us 
front, back, front, back, front, back. Because you know what? I think most of us at this point in our walk can take one hit from the quarry truck, maybe two, and still be standing okay. But when that quarry truck hits us a third time, and all that's left on the bottom of the quarry is a little red stain, (laughs) okay, you know, let's put it this way. You know that scripture that says the Lord doesn't give you more than you can handle or whatever? I forget exactly how it goes. Um, I don't think so. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I've had this conversation with a couple of believers that have had the quarry trucks running over them a couple of times, a lot more than a couple of times, actually. And, um, and they really relate. There are a few of us out there that have gone through beatings that cannot be quantified. I mean, just awful, awful, awful things, awful things. And I still look over my shoulders. I don't know if God wants me to move. Maybe he does. Maybe he just wants me to get out of here. Downsize. Take the check. Buy some place that's, you know, two-thirds of the check and pocket the rest. end up in a house that's half the size with bathrooms <laughs> with, with like bathrooms that have like um you know plumbing from 1919 <laughs> and you might think I'm kidding but I'm not oh lord hallelujah but I yeah I would that's how it is in uh, southern central pennsylvania there's a lot of houses that were built back in the 1800s and stuff and the early part of the 1900s early part of the 20th century. They, they're they small. They're real small. I I won't be able to take my uh, bed. I'll have to buy a, I don't know, a twin or a king. I mean, a queen. It's kind of hard to sleep with two boxers and on a queen, isn't it? I know that they take a lot of space. They sprawl. Boxers do. They shove me over into my little corner on the edge of the bed. And then once they got me comfortably right on the edge of the bed where I'm about to fall off, one of them gets up and goes over and sits on my prayer chair. Uh, Anyway, so funny. All right, praise God. Thank you, Jesus. So I did want to just say thank every – I want to personally thank every single one of you. I did not – I really didn't think this was going to turn out to be a testimonial show. But I am kind of glad that I was able to do it because I think – there was probably a little something for everybody woven into this testimony. little something for everybody, and I don't know. There may be a few people that are like, oh, come on. You know, I'd rather hear the same songs that you play all the time, you know, like this one. Or this one. Or this one. Uh-oh, my soundboard's giving me a hard time. Or this one. That is one I like a lot, Brother Dan. I also like 
Peace to Fly as a Dove by Cease Taylor. We start the program with it. If you would like any of the music that we use on the prayer vigil, it's available. None of it's copyrighted. Um, and you can go to tribulation-now.org. If you try to do it from your workplace, it'll get blocked because it's in, you know, it's one of those evil conspiracy theorist sites. <sighs> but anyway, um, if you click on it, you know, if it just depends on what, what what you're using, what type of a device. If it's a full-blown web browser, uh, it's you'll see things differently than if it's a little phone, you know, or or a big phone or a tablet even. But in um, the links, the white links on the black background, there is. And I'm looking real hard to find it so I can tell you what the name of the link is. Yes, yes, cool. It's up near the top, too. So it starts out like with a voice a voice for Cindy, uh, come before, coming before the courts of heaven in prayer, which we've done a lot, which we're going to do. I would like to do that again on the next prayer vigil. Commandments of Jesus wallpaper, that was done by Jose. Um, I miss him. He hasn't called me. Jose was a really, really big guy. Big guy. Um, I'm a big guy, but Jose made me look, you know, not big. And if I haven't heard from Jose, that means that the Lord took him home. And I don't want to call. I don't want to open up wounds. And I miss him real bad. And I've lost a lot of people on account of these evil shapeshifters. A lot of friends, a lot of family. But yeah, he would have called me by now. Uh, anyway, critical prophecies, Jesus and a white kitty and a Model T, Johnny Baptist testimony, which, by the way, is missing like, <laughs> like everything from like 2015 forward, which is like loaded with Amityville horror stuff. Um, Mac Foster's dreams. And then it says prayer vigil music. And on the prayer vigil music link, if you click on that, you can go to Cease Taylor's site, which is www.rushtotribulation.com. And on there, you will have so much music that you can download for free that it will... I mean, it's albums and albums of music. It's fabulous. And I and he's the one who sings Peace to Fly as a Dove. And some of the other songs that I play on the program uh, now and then, I rotate around a little bit sometimes. Also, uh, Scripture Songs for Worship takes you over to um, Esther Mui's site. That's, it's E-S-T-H-E-R-M-U-I, Esther Mui. And I contacted her directly, and I said, is it okay with you? I got, you know, and since she didn't register any of her stuff, you know, uh, with the copyright people, she's like, yep, absolutely, you can use whatever you want. Well, I only needed a hand, handful of songs, and she's got hundreds, and it's amazing. You, you would love her stuff. And then also, like, this is Esther Mui, okay, just so you know, like this. I love that, man. her husband playing the piano. 
of the songs talk about lifting the golden cup of forgiveness. That's a whole testimony, too, where the Lord told me to go get a golden cup, and I didn't know what he meant. And then he gave me one. I just didn't know what to do. It was like he was saying, you need to go get a golden cup. And I'm like thinking to myself, what? What? I need to go get a golden cup? Man, um... I started searching, and they were like eight hundred, nine hundred dollars, a thousand dollars, fifteen hundred dollars, and we're talking about, you know, plated, gold plated. And um, then I went to eBay. It was like my my last thing. I was going to give up. I typed it into eBay, and right there was a golden cup, big old golden cup. You can pick it up with one hand, but it's pretty heavy, and it's golden in color. It was only fourteen dollars, and you know, fourteen dollars, and they sent it to my house, and I took it out, and to my absolute astonishment, I realized that the entire thing—now it's a sculpture, you know, cast. I don't know what plaster or I don't know, but it's covered with grape leaves, fruit of the vine. All over it. What are the odds? What are the odds that God would tell me to go get a golden cup? And I'd be looking and saying, I'm not going to drop $1,000 on this. I don't even know why I'm doing it. And then I go to eBay and the first page, 14 bucks. And when I pull it out of the box, See, I didn't even notice the grapes when I was looking at it on eBay. I didn't even notice the grapes. The fruit of the vine. (sighs) 
wine, grapes. Did you know that uh, grapes didn't ferment back then? <laughs> That's what a lot of pastors tell you. Ah, you got to love it. Anyway, praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Let us go ahead and, uh, oh, yeah, um, again, uh, and, you know, so all the the Holy Communion song, we gather remembering the Lord's Prayer, Our Father, uh, that's this song. We don't, I don't play this that as often. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And then remember, I used to open the show with this one. Remember? Back then. I still like this song a lot. This is C. Taylor. He also calls himself Nicky. Lord, I kneel here. Remember that? Overwhelmed by all I see. I ask you to come. Praise God. Hallelujah. Anyway, so they're all there for you if you want to get them. Oh, and even the Zeb Hatfield songs. His mom hooked me up with those, believe it or not. She was, a, I don't know, a listener, I guess. I mean, there's a lot of people that listen I have never met, never have communicated with me, never said boo to me in all these years. A lot of them have been hanging around a long time. Um, but I've never heard from them. And then when they finally, you know, it's a nice Nice one. I get to say hi. But anyway, um, so Zeb Zeb Hadfield songs are also scripture. Psalm 1, Psalm 3, Psalm 10, Psalm 15, um, Psalm 133. Here's Psalm 15. Remember that? Praise God. Awesome. His mom e- emailed me and she's like, you know, yeah, you know, my son Zeb. I'm like, thanks. <laughs> so the Lord was very good to me when he realized, see, I won't break the law. I won't break the law. And if I knew that there was copyright, you know that I was committing copyright infringement. Then I wouldn't. I wouldn't touch it. I just won't. I'm hardcore. Romans thirteen. We have to surpass the law. I wonder if I have that. I don't know if I can find it. The prayer vigil notes are getting so big now. Praise God. But there's a... uh, Oh, I know what I can do. I wonder if I can do it. Here, let me see. This is a long shot. Uh, Diagnetus. what it means to pray through the final harvest. Oh, there it is. Wow, cool. I'll share this for you before we take communion and uh, 
enjoy the, uh, for those of us in the United States of Babylon, three-day Labor Day weekend. It's going to be a rough one for me, folks. As the Lord just told me, i got to get my ducks in a row. I don't got anything. Except maybe I can try to pump up the tires on my bike. But with the extra weight I put on over all this knee business and pandemic business, and my butt is going to be so sore. Oh, my goodness. I don't know if you, you all know what it's like to ride a 10-speed when you're <laughs> not uh, within the weight range very well. But anyway, listen to this. This is awesome. It's about the Pilgrim Church. It's, out of, it's an actual excerpt from the book by E.H. Broadbent from the book entitled The Pilgrim Church. A second century letter to a man named Diognetus. Now, second century means that, and I hope I get this right, it's always the century before. So if it's the second century, it's actually the first 100 years. So this letter was written during the time that Paul and, you know, the, the... very, very super-duper early church was uh, on the earth, second century. The 20th century was the 1900s. You see what I'm saying? The 18th century was the 1700s. Oh, wait a minute. I got that wrong, didn't I? No, wait. Yeah, no, that's right. 20th century, 1900s, 21st century. Okay, yeah, right, right. So anyway, listen to this. This is amazing. So they actually found this letter, by the way. This is a real letter, and they included it in the book, The Pilgrim Church. He writes, quote, Christians are distinguished from other men, neither by country nor language. Living in such places as the lot of each of them has determined. As the lot of each of them has determined. In other words, they ended up wherever they ended up. And and following the customs of the natives in respect to clothing and food. And the rest of their ordinary conduct. They display to us their wonderful and confessedly striking method of life. Now, as you're hearing me read this, try to imagine comparing this to Christians on the earth today. I'll read it again. He writes, Christians are distinguished from other men, neither by country nor language, living in such places as the lot of each of them had determined, and following the customs of the natives in respect to clothing and food and the rest of their ordinary conduct. They display to us their wonderful and confessedly striking method of life. They dwell in their own countries, but simply as sojourners. As citizens, they share in all things with others, yet 
and yet endure all things as if they're foreigners. Every foreign land to them is as their native country, and every land of their birth is a land of strangers. They pass their days on earth, but they are citizens of heaven. They obey the prescribed laws, and at the same time, they surpass the laws by their lives. They are reviled, and they bless. A real Christian. Praise God. Dear Heavenly Father, we praise you for this opportunity to come before you, to give testimony, to possibly help somebody, to encourage somebody, to touch somebody's life in the name of Jesus. Father, we thank, I just thank you, I praise you, Father. Thank you for raising up to me that it's time that I make some pretty major changes to my lifestyle and such and get things in order. I don't even know what all those things are yet, Father, but you have an incredible way of just allowing those scrolls to kind of roll out in parallel, and we just got to ride the wave of your will. Your will be done, Father God, upon each of our lives. We pray always to be found worthy to escape these things, and we mean it. All these evil things that are about to come upon the earth and stand before you, Jesus, at the wedding supper. Thank you, Lord. I cannot wait to meet you. I cannot wait to meet you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. And now let's go ahead and take communion. Praise God. Thank you, Lord. On the same day in which Jesus was betrayed, he took bread. And he broke it and gave thanks and said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in that same manner, he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat of this bread and drink of this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Ani, Vadodi, Vadodi Li. I am my beloved's, and my beloved is mine. God bless every one of you, and I mean it from the bottom of my heart. Thank you for the outpouring of love and concern. Please send me your email so I can sign you up. At least then you'll not have to, like, you know, freak out and think that Dick, Dick Van Dyke was uh, 
canceled for a football game. God bless you all. See you next Friday, Lord willing.
Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino-style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly plus free daily bonuses, so don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW, void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18+. Plus.